Blog Talk Radio. An exciting blowout victory over Cincinnati on Saturday. Just what the doctor ordered for an angry Miami Hurricane fan base that was reconciling three losses in the early part of a new football season. But the winds have never gusted with greater force for the man who will join us tonight on Kane Sport Live. Athletic Director Blake James is the guy with the keys to the front door at the U, and he suddenly finds more issues on his plate than ever before as the leader of Miami Athletics. What is an appropriate standard of judgment for the football program and Coach Al Golden and his staff? What can he do about the attendance problems at Sun Life Stadium that were never more glaring than they were on Saturday? How can he preserve the overall stability of the great brand that is the U as the football team finishes an astonishing 11th straight season detached from the upper echelon of college football? Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and welcome to this week's meeting of the Canes Nation. As always, this is your show, and it will be driven by your participation. We will have 50 open phone lines later tonight, so there will be plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate as the evening continues. We will get to your calls tonight in the 9 p.m. hour, and we'll continue, as always, until 11 o'clock. But tonight's first call is going to last for a little bit. Blake James offered us 30 minutes for tonight's show. We told him that it would probably take a little longer than that to answer all of the questions of the fans that have come to the forefront on this show the past few weeks. He will give us the first hour of the show tonight. Blake has even promised not to charge us an appearance fee. We asked the fans this week to send in questions for Blake, and hundreds of questions were submitted by way of email and on the message boards at canesport.com. We have prioritized, condensed, and organized them into what we hope will be a neatly packaged segment for the next hour. So let's get right to it by bringing in our first call tonight from the 305. Blake James, welcome to Canesport Live. Hey, great to be on with you tonight, Gary. Well, you know, I can't tell you how honored we are to have you part of the show. Um, we started this Tuesday night tradition here a little more than a year ago, and it's really grown into an important part of the week for several thousand Hurricane fans around the country, and some even as far away as, like, um, Army bases in Afghanistan, and they listen and participate every Tuesday night. And, you know, obviously it's gotten quite animated the past few weeks, and I think this is a great opportunity to give you a chance to talk to the fan base uh, and explain what's going on in the inner workings of the Hex Center and what's going through your mind as you work through um, some of these issues. So, you know, thank you so much for giving your time to us tonight uh, to join everybody. Um, before we dive into um, the state of the football program, Blake, and all of the hot topics on our plate tonight, I did want to take a moment to talk about some of the other things that you've accomplished in your short time as athletic director that people really never get a chance to focus on because of all the emotional ups and downs of a football season. But with a new president coming in next summer, I think they're appropriate for, night to, for tonight's conversation because your track record as an athletic director is certainly going to come into examination with the new president, just like all majors, major areas of the university will be put under a microscope um, in the spring going into the summer. Um, so let me start by pointing out that the Hurricane Club has grown to an impressive 7,700 members, up from 4,400 over the effort with Jesse Marks in 2010. 
The fundraising campaigns to improve facilities are never-ending. You completed the Schwartz Center very early in your tenure, and you've upgraded the football practice fields and with more improvements to come for the football infrastructure. There will be a new scoreboard this year in the basketball arena. And the academic performance of student-athletes top to bottom in the athletic department right now is as good as it ever has been. That's a solid resume for a new president coming in. But I'd like to know first, what is Blake James' personal evaluation of his first two years as AD? Well, I think you know you, you touched on you know a number of, of things there, Gary. Uh, you know, as, you know, as the athletic director, really my job is to give you know our student athletes and, and our coaches uh, the tools and resources they need to achieve excellence. You know, when we focus on in athletics, academics, and in life, and you know, I feel over the first two years we've we've done a good job of, of continuing to to raise the bar of who the University of Miami is. Um, you know, obviously you touched on the facilities, and I think you mentioned the new student athletic dining complex. But you know, that's something that we just opened up, which is a is a big win for us. The the Schwartz Center, obviously. Uh, you know, we'll have lights coming on in the practice field here in the near future. And uh, you know, as I've said over the last uh, year year and a half, that you know we need to have an indoor facility for football. I think we've already had 15 practices either delayed or, or shortened uh, this this year from, from lightning. And so, you know, that's a real issue that we have to continue to look at. Um, you know, across the board, academically, our kids are doing exceptionally well. Uh, we have over a, a 3.0 uh, GPA last semester, and we're going to have a 92% graduation success rate again this year. And so when you look at the, you know, the fact that the vast majority of the 450 kids who put on the U every day aren't going to go on and, and play professionally or, or play as long professionally as they need to, you know, really secure their lifetime earnings. Uh, putting that degree in their hand should help secure those lifetime earnings, and, uh, you know, that's something that we're very proud of. So, um, you know, overall, um, you know, as self-evaluation, I would say hey, there's always room for improvement. Um, so I'll probably give myself a, a B, uh, and uh, I know that there's, uh, you know, some, some upside. I mean, you know, you talked about the Hurricane Club. That continues to grow. We're actually over 7,800 now. Um, and, you know, you look at the time that that's grown from 4,400 to over 7,800 in, in a period where, uh, from a football perspective, I think we probably uh, haven't achieved to the level, um, you know, that, that I think we historically have as a program. And I think, um, you know, every one of us wants to achieve, whether that's President Shalala, myself, or Coach Golden. And so, you know, excited about the foundation we're building there and, uh, you know, excited about a lot of things we have going on. So I guess I'll stick with the B. Well, you know, I've brought up that football practice facility, the indoor facility, quite a bit um, with the fans over the past several weeks. And it kind of gets poo-pooed a little bit, but I don't think people realize how significant that is. And it's certainly not an excuse. You know, I don't think um, anybody's looking to make an excuse out of it. But when you miss, you know, 10, 15 practices before the season even starts. 15 so far, you know, 15 so far this year. So, you know, when you look at practice days we have and we're at 15 right now that have either been you know shortened or, or delayed um you know that 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 uh you're not you're got you're not giving your team the best chance to win and again my job is to do the things that we need to do, give our, our kids the best chance to win and and that's why that's that's something that's uh, it's a real need for us and uh it's one that uh, i'll continue to work with the university and, and our our key supporters on, on making a reality you know, Miami's had a lot of athletic directors, obviously, through the years. Um, in the past several years, probably too many. Um, some of them have made a minimal impact in their time in Coral Gables. Some have been dynamic individuals. You know, Sam Jankovic, one that really comes to mind for all the great things that he did as the Miami program 
rose up there in, in, in the 80s and 90s. Um, do, do you see yourself as a status quo caretaker type of athletic director um, like some of the others recently have been? And we won't, you know, we won't get into names. Or are you looking now at this stage of your career to become more of a visionary, a, a mover and shaker, a guy that makes an impact on athletics, not just here at the University of Miami, um, but nationwide? Yeah, again, you know, my focus is, is Miami, Gary, and, and so, you know, for me, I want to do whatever I can to to make the program better. And, and again, status quo isn't something uh, that I'll ever look at as, as uh, what my role as a department is not status quo. You can't be status quo in college athletics. And so, you know, again, without going back through the conversation we just had, you know, we have to constantly be doing things to make our program better. And so uh, in my position, it's it's keeping up with, what our coaches need, what's happening nationally, and, and what we can do to continue to, to position our program. I think, you know, historically, and, and it's not to, uh, not to you know, criticize what anyone's done, but I think you know, when you look at the history of our program, um, you know, we won, we won some championships, and I don't know that we, you know, reinvested uh, to the level that, you know, maybe we, maybe we should have or, or could have at the time. And, again, it's hard to, to know all the ins and outs of, of what's happening, but, you know, I think it's important for us to constantly be uh, doing what we can to raise the bar at the University of Miami, and, and really that's my job. So status quo isn't something that uh, I guess I ever, ever even think about. Uh, it's always raising the bar. It's carrying the baton uh, as well as I can for as long as I can. And you know, as I've said, uh, you know, from the very start, I hope that's for, uh, you know, for another 20 years. And uh, uh, in that time, I hope we can continue to have all the improvements that we have in the first two years because it's a, it's been a great time, um, you know, from that perspective to to be a part of the program and, you know, I want to keep doing those things that better improve our program and allow our our kids to have even greater success. You know, I mentioned the new president uh, coming in at the end of this school year, and that's obviously a, a major event for any university, and um, some of the fans we're wondering how that's going to impact your job with Donna Shalala leaving. Uh, will it place more power and authority in your hands during the transition? You know, I'm not sure, you know, what the transition time is going to be. It's, it's hard to say when, when the new president is, is going to come in, but I don't know that placing more power in my hands. I mean, I, I think that's uh, maybe a, a mis, uh, misnomer that's out there that, you know, that, that I don't have the, the power. Donna's, Donna's a wonderful boss. I, I, honestly, I, I don't know that I, I could ask for uh, a better boss in, in just how supportive she is, how passionate, how passionate she is, um, and, and, again, just how in, how visionary she is in, in her understanding of things and uh, support of things. But it, it's not a situation where, uh, you know, she makes calls to me and says, hey, we need to do this or, or we need to do this. We talk um, all the time about things. Uh, you know, we, we spoke yesterday and, and we spoke again today. And, uh, you know, so we're in regular communication uh, on things. Um, and, but it's not something where uh, I would say to, to anyone out there that, uh, hey, it's going to be a lot different because, you know, Donna's not Donna's not going to be telling me to do this, this, or, you know, whatever whatever it is. It'll be different because I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the same person there uh, that Donna is. And, and again, I don't know who the new person is, so they could be very similar. They could be very different. Uh, I do know one thing. There's only one Donna Shalala, and uh, whoever the new person is won't be Donna Shalala. And, and obviously I'll, I'll look forward to the opportunity to work with them and, and get an understanding of what their expectations are and, and meet those for, uh, for our program. 
you know, when things go bad, Blake, everybody becomes targets. You become a target. I become a target. Coach Golden obviously becomes a, a target. And Donna Shalala becomes a target. And I don't think people realize um, – how supportive she's been of athletics through her entire tenure. And um, I think she gets a little bit of a bad rap in that regard. And um, that's why it was so interesting to hear you describe your relationship with her just now, because that has always been my perception of Donna Shalala's role with the athletic department. And, um, you know, I I think as she leaves the university of Miami, um, people maybe should be a little bit more appreciative of, of what her mindset and philosophy has been, towards athletics. Um, but the next question up on, on the list is, you know, before you become an athletic director, you're, you probably were somewhat of a fan, like everybody else sitting out here was on, on game day. And, uh, but when, when you move into the top seat, um, there was some wonderment over whether that changes a, a little bit. And, you know, do you have to take a more, a detached role from an emotional standpoint, or do you find, still find yourself watching games on Saturday, um, whether it be on the road, up in the athletic director's booth, or at home, um, living and dying with every play the way all of the fans do? You know, I probably live and die more than, than most fans because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's my job and it's, it's my life. And uh, uh, what happens uh, on the field, on the court, on the track, wherever it is, uh, it impacts, impacts, it impacts me on a daily basis, whether it's, uh, whether it's financially, whether it's the disappointment of, of the, the kids who are competing for us, it's the, uh, the loss that, you know, they're, they're dealing with. And so, uh, you know, I think you, you probably even deal with that on a greater basis because again, no one wants to win more than the kids who put on the U and the coaches of those programs. And so as, as much as I think we have a, a wonderfully passionate fan base, um, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't think anyone could want to win more than the, the kids we have putting on the U every day. Um, they're there to be the very best, and um, they work hard uh, all day long uh, to be the very best. And so, um, you know, you, you you're disappointed, you know, from that perspective. And so, I think you take it even. You know, I take it even harder now than, you know, say if I look back and, you know, if I look back in my career, Gary, to, you know, when I was a, an entry-level person at, at the university and, you know, I was there as a fan and, you know, it was disappointing to lose and, and hate it, but you didn't you didn't have the same relationship with the, the kids and the coaches and, and you didn't have an understanding of all the all the time and effort that goes into uh, being ready to go on, on those uh, game days and, uh uh, so I, I think you know I, I probably take it even harder now than than I did when I was a twenty something or thirty something uh, watching program or when I was away from the program because uh, Miami's a program I've always followed and uh, uh, you know I said I, I hated I hated when Miami lost when I was at Maine um, you know it's a program I've always had a passion for and, and have followed and uh, uh, but you do take the losses I think a little bit harder being in the role I'm in right now. How big of a pure football guy are you? Like, do you sit there and evaluate schemes the way the fans do? No, no. I mean, I, I will say I'm I'm a football guy. I love college football. You know, I was uh, I, I was asked uh, I was asked once. Uh, you know, if I could pick anything, what would I what I would I pick? And obviously, I love all of our programs, but there's nothing better than than football game day. It's 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 my you know it's my my love, and it's it's what really brought me to the University of Miami. I think like so many, uh, you know, following uh, the success of the the '83 team is is when I really started following the program and. Uh, you know, that's when it really became a passion of mine to, to want to be here. And so, 
you know, I follow football quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I watch, uh, I rewatch our games uh, on Sundays and, and sometimes then again on Mondays and, and on Tuesdays um, just to, you know, kind of reverse it and, and slow it down and, and see, you know, see what happened and, and see maybe where, where a play was missed. And, um, you know, occasionally I'll go in and, and, and talk with Al and say, hey, what happened on this one or what are we, what are we looking at here? But at the end of the day, I got so many other things going on that, you know, that's that's Al's job and uh, and that's our staff's job to, to look at that. And, you know, I, I hire people to uh, go out and, and do their jobs. And so uh, just as Donna gives me the freedom to run the athletic department, uh, I give our coaches the freedom to run their program. And so whether it's talking with Jim about, uh, about basketball or Katie about basketball or, you know, uh, Jim about baseball or Al about football, do I talk to them? Yeah, but uh, it's it's their job to have our team ready to go and, and to really do the the deep, deep analysis of, of what needs to be done and prepare the young men and women we have in our program to be the best. So let's um let's get into football a little bit. Obviously, the majority of the questions that came in for you for the purposes of this show um, involve the football program. Um, you know, that's the where the greatest passion is. You've gotten the emails. Um, you, I'm sure you've listened to some of the talk shows. Um, you know, when you had time, and you understand how upset some of the boosters and fans and, and supporters of the, of the program become with the failures of the football program and how venomous some of those comments have become to the point where one group of fl- fans spent what looked to me like at least $1,000 on Saturday to fly a plane over the stadium asking that Al Golden be dismissed. Um, but even more vocal have been the ones um, on the radio and, 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 and other forums that have all day long for a few weeks now um, been speaking negatively of the program. Um, I explained to everybody before the show that we, we're not going to ask you tonight if you support Al Golden or are going to retain him as, as coach. Um, you know, it's a stupid question. It's not one that you can answer right now anyway. But I, I think there's also proof in the pudding, Blake, that you have supported him. You've continued to improve the infrastructure of the program with resources and new facilities. You've never come close to suggesting that um, changing your football coach is even an issue on the table, despite all of the incredible anger out here in, in the real world. And, you know, some people will, will say you're doing the right thing. Uh, obviously, others won't be happy with, with that fact that they're looking for blood. But I, I think you've been very consistent in how you've managed that, that situation and there's really no point in asking you that type of question. Um, in looking at Al Golden, you've, you've got a head coach. He's got great CEO skills that are obvious to everybody. Maybe the best, you know, from, from my vantage point that I've seen here at Miami since Jimmy Johnson occupied that office. Um, he's clearly a great representative for the university. He was a pillar of strength during the NCAA crisis. And I don't think there's any question that everybody from Donna Shalala and the trustees and the university owe him a lot of gratitude for that. Um, where things are breaking down a little bit are on the football side of things. And um, he's obviously enduring some tough times there, not only this year, Blake, but really throughout his four-year tenure at Miami in, in games against good football teams. He's been unable to win most of them. And, and now his, his competence as a pure football coach is under a microscope all over the country um, like it's never been before. Um, the team's lost seven of its last 13 games, largely for that reason. Um, the question that came in from many fans, have you been and are you presently happy with the product that is being put out on the field? 
Well, again, I think it's it's you know it's a it's a tough question to answer because I think you know anyone will look at you you want to win every game. Al wants to win every game, and so when you don't win, you know obviously you're disappointed in, in winning. And so, um, you know, am I am I happy when we lose? No, I'm not happy when we lose. As I said before, I take losses as hard as as anyone outside of maybe the kids putting on the jerseys and 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 our coaches. Um, so I don't think anyone's happy, you know, any, anyone's happy when you lose. So I, I guess to answer your question, no, I'm not, I'm not happy when we lose, but I'm confident in saying uh, Al isn't happy when we lose, Donna's not happy when we lose, uh, our players aren't happy when we lose, everyone wants to win. And I think that's, uh, you know, what every, everyone has to understand is um, everyone, everyone wants to win and no one's happy when you lose. And, and I understand that. And I think that's, you know, that's why, Gary, you get, you know, you do get a lot of the, the, a lot of this frustration uh, that is that is you know either verbalized you know through the radio, uh, through the blogs or whatever it is, is, is people want to see us win. I mean, you see it with you see it with every program you know you see it with every program around the country. If you're not winning, um, people aren't happy. Whether those people are the kids putting on the jerseys, the coaches, uh, or the fans, no one's happy when you lose. So um, you know, to answer your question. No, I'm I'm not I'm not happy when you lose. Now at the same time, um, you know the the product on the field, the product on the field has to has to continue to get better, and I think we all have to um, look turn the clock back. We all we all said for the last few years, hey, Al Golden's got a hand tied behind his back. Al Golden's got a hand tied behind his back, and not even a year ago yet, were we still under the NCA uh, cloud, not knowing what our sanctions were going to be. And so, you know, I think it's important to understand we're not even to the one year anniversary. And, you know, we're moving forward as a program. I'm very excited about the young kids I see in our program right now. Uh, you know, when you look at the freshman, Brad Kaya, I think we have a, a great young quarterback uh, that has continued to get better and better every week. Uh, and, again, without going down the line, uh, I think there's some great kids, and I think we have uh, some more that are going to be coming in the future. So um, am I happy when we lose? No, no one is. Um, am, I, am I confident that we're going in the direction that we need to be going? Without a doubt. Well, you know, you you sit back and you detach yourself emotionally and you evaluate University of Miami football as an entertainment product, which really, at the end of the day, is what it is. And you have an offense that's playing incredibly exciting football right now. I mean, they they averaged eight yards a play um, two weeks ago at Georgia Tech in the losing effort. This week against Cincinnati, they averaged more than 10 yards a play. That's national championship level offense um, in any season at any time. Um, you talked about the young quarterback, the receivers, the, the 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 receivers that are committed to come in over the next few years. Um, I don't think there's any question that offensively, University of Miami football is in a good place right now and heading in the future into a continued good place. Um, one of the focal points of the fan yeah, base, I agree, though, I as agree you, with you. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. Now, you know, but one of the focal points of the fan base, as you're well aware has been the continuing problems on defense over several seasons now. Um, how aware are you of the negativity toward the defensive coaching staff, particularly Mark D'Onofrio, and have you shared personally any of that angst? Well, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm aware that it's out there. I guess I don't know, you know, that, you know, the, the level or, uh, you know, that I'm not sure, you know, if that what your question is. Obviously, you know, you if you turn on, on sports radio, again, people have a passion. And, and any time you lose, you want to point at some reason why you're losing. And I think, you know, in, in, in many cases, um, you know, Mark has, has become uh, the target for that. And that's, you know, and that's what, 
that's what I hear out there. And so, um, you know, if you're asking that question, yeah, I, de- I definitely hear it. I think everyone hears it. Um, have you sh- personally shared any of that angst, you know, as you're watching the games and reviewing them? Like, you know, do you, do you ever say, wow, we really do have a problem on defense? Or do, do you try to stay out of those type of feelings? Well, again, I think it's 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 hard to to look at it and say, hey, we have we have a you know we have a, a problem on this play on defense without knowing, you know, without knowing all the ins and outs. Uh, you know, anytime we give up, um, you know, anytime we give up more points than than we score, um, or give up you know a large amount of yards, you know, people are automatically gonna you know immediately look at the defense, and I think that's that's something you have to continue to work on. And so, um, you know, I guess you know, I'm not. Sure, I'm answering your question, but uh, you know it's a situation where you know we got we got to continue to get better on all fronts. You know, at the end of the day, you know as, as I've said many times, I'm, I'm fine winning three to nothing or or seventy to sixty nine. Whatever it takes to win is what I want to do. I want to win. So if if we're winning if we're winning every week seventy to sixty nine, hey, I'm happy. If we're winning every week three to nothing, hey, I, I, I'm happy. And so you know, to me, what's most important is that we're winning, and so. Uh, that's what I really try to focus my efforts on. I think it's up to our coaches to really look at uh, the ins and outs of, you know, the three phases of the game, special teams, offense, and defense, and, and figure out what we need to do to win. 70 to 69, you, you probably should have been an athletic director out in the Pac-10 or something. <laughs> that's, that's where they play those kind of games on a regular basis. But, um well, uh, you I mean, know, I, as, I, as, as we were as we were getting 55 on Saturday, I was thinking I was almost going to be a prophet, seeing as I said that on on Friday that I would be happy with any win, even if it was 70 to 69. So, uh, 55 was starting to get in that neighborhood. So I was thinking I might look like a prophet with our offensive capabilities. Well, you know, um, but before I move on to the next question, Blake, let, let me just um, re- maybe rephrase part of that question in a little bit of a diff- different way because um, it was sent in by so many people, and I, I know they want an answer out there as they're listening tonight. And um, I, I guess the best way to describe it is as fans out here, they're watching the game, and, you know, there's situations. You know, you're, you're, you're at Nebraska, and, and the Cornhuskers are just running the ball down the defense's throat the whole game. I think 350 rushing yards. And they're seeing safeties 14 yards down the field and, and not coming up and, and, and no adjustments being made in that regard. And, and they're, they're, they're throwing things at the TV or yelling and screaming, and, well, and, and that's dominating. But I, think, Go ahead. but I think, Gary, the thing to remember is how did Nebraska score their first touchdown? Well, it was on a long pad on, on a pass bust. Yeah, I mean, when, when the pass defense broke down. Right, nobody... it, was on, it, was on a, it was on a deep play on a safety blitz. So, you know, again, I think it's, it's hard to look at one play because, you know, I'll, I'll get those two where people say, hey, how can we be playing this defense in, in this, you know, in, in this situation? And I think the, the hard part, of, you know, the hard part about throwing those types of specific scenarios out there and saying, hey, our, our safeties are, are 14 yards deep, you know, it's, it's, it's not knowing what everyone else is doing. I mean, is everyone else going full go? You know, there's nine guys going, going straight in on, on an all-out blitz and we're keeping two guys back. I don't know. That's probably pretty. It's probably a pretty smart thing to do. So it's again. I think you know. It's 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 hard for us to look at individual situations and say, hey, why did this one? Why did this one not work? You know. Again, if you look at Nebraska, Nebraska had great success in running the ball. I, I would agree with that a hundred percent. With that said, how did they score their first touchdown? They threw their first touchdown on a bomb over the middle on a time when we had Deion Bush blitzing. 
And so, you know, again, it's, I think it's, you, you have to be, you have to be careful to individually analyze, individually analyze plays. At the end of the day, did our defense perform that, that game the way they should have? No. Uh, I think, hey. I, you know, I would, I would agree, you know, I would agree with that. And I think everyone agree, would agree with that. Um, you know, at, at the same time, I look at it and you and I talked about this before, you know, we, we intercept the ball down by three. Uh, we're driving back the other way on the second and short. Um, our, our best player, you know, has something happen that if he did that carry a thousand times, it probably only happens once. It happens that one time. He has a clean fumble. They scoop and, and score an easy seven points and the momentum, you know, swings from one, from one team to another in, in one play like that. And so again, I, I think it's, it's at the end of the day. It's hey, do, do we do we win or did we lose? And we lost that game. And and I think you know obviously the the defense uh, needed to perform better. But there's things you know that we could look at offensively and, and from a special teams perspective that I think we could say hey, we needed to do better. Yeah, and you know the coaches they walk a slippery slope after games when they talk about what happened because it, it's never a good thing for coaches to throw their players under the bus and and. You know, along the lines of your points, I mean, there, there's no question that at times mental mistakes have have come into play with with this team. The past few years, they they have had a lot of problems in that regard on defense, in particular. Um, and even though Mark D'Onofrio absorbs so much of the blame, I've always been one to stand up and say, "Wait a minute, guys, this is not a one man." scapegoat situation the problems on defense extend far beyond just Mark D'Onofrio um you know you're talking about individual position players either not being good enough or or um not executing on on game day um you you can call into question other defensive coaches and how well they're recruiting or how well they're preparing their players for Saturday afternoons so you know it is more complicated i i think and, and you know being as close to it as i am i can agree with you in that regard it's not as simple sometimes as it looks on um, on TV, but let me move on. Uh, we we saw your recent quote about how in rebuilding a football program that you can't just flip a switch and have it happen. Um, and obviously, there's great truth to that. Um, but I imagine you also would agree that as an athletic director or head coach um, in charge of a football program like the University of Miami, you, you also can't be in denial when there are problems either. And um, it's the slippery slope and, um, you know, not, not panicking, but making sure you're also making whatever adjustments you have to make along the way. And, you know, part of that involve, can involve coaching. When you look back through the history of the great coaches that have coached at Miami, every one of them made significant staff changes in the middle of their tenure before they really had their coaching staff right. And then, you know, there's some like, say, Randy Shannon, who never really got it right and, and, and was always mixing and matching and trying to find um, – the right chemistry um, for his coaching staff. So, um, so many of the questions that were submitted for tonight's show um, stated that there was um, a clear perception among some fans and a feeling that Miami is out of the national title contending business, that the expectations for the program have greatly diminished internally. And, and that seems to be, as somebody who's out here with the fans all the time, um, what really is bothering people the most, you know, you've, you've got more than 11 years that Miami's been competitive at the upper levels of, of the game. Um, your thoughts on that perception that Miami is out of the national title contending business? And, and the thing I think I would say, Gary, and you and I were both around the program at the time, is I think people were saying the same thing in, in 1997. 
you know, when they're flying the, the, the banners over the stadium saying, thanks, Butch, from champs to chumps and, and fire Butch yep. Davis. And three years later, we had arguably uh, one of the greatest teams in, in college football and, and went on an incredible run. And so, um, you know, do I, do I think our program is where it needs to be? Do we need to get better to win national championships? Without a doubt. Um, I, again, those those aren't those aren't things that that I, I guess I would say I question at all. But having lived through it before here at the University of Miami and and really seeing um, you know what what Butch was able to do, even given the tremendous criticism and, and fire that he came under back back in those you know those days before before he got it going, uh, you know I, I'm you know I'm I'm still the belief that uh, we can turn around. Ironically, uh, you know I was. Uh, uh, talking to the SPN guys back, I think it was in '97, and you know, asked uh, I won't <laughs> I won't pinpoint him now, but one of their one of their national people, I said, hey, you know, how long do you think before Miami you can be back? And he made the comment to me, he said, he didn't think it ever could happen. And I'm sure there's probably something out there right now. We'll be back. I'm I'm 100% confident of that, and uh, uh, we'll be back uh, uh, again, competing for national titles, and I think it'll be uh, in in the near future. So in your seat. Instead of sitting there saying, I have to fire Al Golden, you're thinking, what can I do to help Al Golden and work with Al Golden to take that next Butch Davis step? Yeah, I mean, whichever coach you want to say. I mean, I know, you know, and again, I wasn't I wasn't here, but I read Jimmy, you know, say recently that he had, you know, his struggles, his his first year, I think he you know, said it in a newspaper article, and, um, you know, I don't know how much criticism I wasn't around, but, you know, he made it sound like, you know, he had, you know, some some those that questioned him when he first started, and, uh, uh, you know, and obviously I was here with, with Butch through his entire tenure, so I know there was people that definitely questioned that, and, yeah, my job as the athletic director is, is to give our, our, our head football coach all the all the support he needs to get us back to the top, and that's that's what my job is, and that's what I, I go to work every day, trying to figure out what more I can do to help us get that program back to the top. Blake, I remember sitting in downtown Miami with Jimmy Johnson after that first season, um, and he, he was sitting there he was having a beer, and we were out at Bayside Marketplace, and, I mean, he was crying. I mean, he was a grown man just crying in, in just utter dismay over – you know, what had just happened in that previous football season. And he went back, he made the changes he needed to make. He upgraded his coaching staff. And, you know, as you know, a couple of years later, uh, the University of Miami was playing for national titles. Same thing happened with Butch Davis. So um, it, it can happen, um, but but obviously it doesn't happen without proactivity in fixing um, the, the things that, that do need to be fixed. Um, so. And, and and I think Gary, that, that's where you know I, I trust I trust in and in, in really what what Al Jobs is, is to to address those whatever whatever changes you know he needs to make. Obviously, people have said scheme, people have said um, you know coaches, people have said uh, you know, recruits. Uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of different thoughts that different people have out there. And at the end of the day, I have, I have full confidence that that Al will make the adjustments that need to be made uh, to to get our program back to the top. Okay, so University of Miami is still in the business of na- of competing for national championships. You've established 100, that one hundred one hundred percent. I, I you know I'll say that anywhere, anytime. We are we're in the business of winning national championships, and, and that's what we're that's what we're going to do. And I'm I'm confident we're going to do it again. And uh, you know we uh, are we there? Are we are we where we need to be right now? No, but uh, we're coming. Is, is there a standard 
for, that, that you have as athletic director? Is there, is there a certain number of wins that you find acceptable or not acceptable? Um, are there any such parameters that you work under? I, you know, I, I I don't get to like to get into numbers because, like I said, I like to win. I like to win every game. If if I ever knew what game we were losing, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to be at that game because, I, as I said before, I hate losing. And uh, uh, no matter you know, no matter who it is, if if we lose to the number one team in in the country, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel better after the game. Uh, you know, I'm gonna hate the fact that we lost. Uh, if we if we lose to a team that that I don't think we should have you know ever lost to, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to feel any better about that loss. So uh, I'm not. I'm not happy with losing. I think you have to look at. You know, you have to look at who you're playing every year and and what the situation is, and and you have to evaluate there and, and how did you progress during the year and and what are you what are you doing at the end of the season uh, that you know you weren't that you weren't doing at the beginning of the season and 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 how have you you know how have you improved and and where are you at and so. I think those are the things I look at. I mean, right now, obviously, we're we're four and three. Um, would we rather that be seven zero? Without a doubt, um, we've lost you know three three tough road games and uh, to teams that you know who knows where they're going to end up at the end of the year. No one knows. All I know right now is I think the, the three of them combined are like seventeen and two, and and so it's it's a situation where um, where are we going to be? I'm not sure. We're four and three right now. I'd love to see us be nine and three. Uh, are we going to be nine and three? I don't know. We got to go beat Virginia Tech next Thursday, and that moves us one step closer to that. And uh, and if we if we don't beat Virginia Tech, obviously we got to focus on Carolina the following week. So you know, game by game. And I think that's what you know for my for me it's it's giving the coaches the resources they need, and then um, you know just looking back at the year with them at the end of the year and seeing you know where we were at and, and what we need to do to to get better the following year. Now, Coach Golden took over a program that clearly was struggling, or, or else he probably would have never been at the University of Miami. Um, and he had to fight through the NCAA issues that you mentioned. Um, some people are tired of, hear, of hearing about that, but you know, in, in fairness, that was was somewhat of a factor. You can debate to what degree all day and night, but it, it certainly was somewhat of a factor. Um, now, your predecessors gave Randy Shannon four years to get the program straight um, and then decided to make a change. And um, a lot of people would say even today that that was one or two years short in terms of being a fair allotment of time. Um, there really is no opinion, a uniform opinion on this subject. In, in Blake James's mind, what is a fair amount of time for a coach, I guess in any sport, but particularly football, to rebuild a program? Well, to re- to rebuild a program is going to take time. You you have to you have to you know recruit the the kids into the program that you need to to be uh, at whatever level of rebuilding you're doing uh, to the, to level of success that you want to get to. And and so I think you know at at a minimum at a minimum it is four years. And again, not being here uh, for the majority of of Randy's time, uh, I'm not you know I, I guess I wouldn't uh, speak to that. Obviously, I, I know that Kirby made the decision that he felt was was best for the program. Uh, at the time, by by making a change, and uh, as with any decision, I'm, I'm sure there were, as you said, some that thought it wasn't long enough, and and there's probably some that thought it was 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 too long. Um, you know, that's just uh, I think the reality of any time a decision's made. So I don't think you can you can look at any any set number and say, hey, it should be done by by this year. I think you have to look year by year and and see where you're at and what you're accomplishing and and why you are why you are not getting to where you need to get to. When the Nevin Shapiro scandal hit, um, 
I guess Sean Eichhorst was the leader of this, but obviously Donna Shalala and other members of the university community were involved. Um, they extended Al Golden's contract out nine years and, and did the same for Jim Laranega. And this week you gave women's basketball coach Katie Meyer kind of equal treatment, I guess, extending her out, I believe, till 2021. Um, why are contracts becoming longer term um, in your business? And, and, and what is your philosophy on the ideal length of contracts? You know, I think it's it's uh, I think it's a, it's a nature of, of of the business, you know, Gary. That uh, you know, just it's, it, the contracts are, are are lengthening out, and I think some of it, you know, some of it goes to uh, some of it goes to recruiting. I think you, you have kids looking at a younger and younger age, and all the time, and, and they want to know that it, that a coach is going to be there, and it, it gives it a, a coach. I guess a greater sense of, of stability. Although you know we see contract extensions all the time, and uh, you know we'll see, you'll see uh, those same coaches you know make a change either for themselves or or by the institution before that contract ever ever gets over. So really, I think it's more of a um, it's a security type uh, it's a security type situation both for the for the school and the coach. That honestly, I don't I don't know that really uh, I don't know that really is a um, that value uh, on either side, because as, as we've all seen, uh, there's coaches that are in contracts that decide they want to do something else and leave, and, and we've all seen schools that are, are with contracts that decide they want to do something else and, and make a change. So, um, uh, you know, I think it's it, it's one of those things. It's a it's kind of a security blanket in in a way, in, in my opinion. Uh, at the same time, I think we've we've shown as an industry, uh, if, if there's a change that's going to be made, usually it's not because the contract is or isn't there. So, you know, you read my mind on the next question because, yeah, I was going to ask you, do they really mean anything? I mean, obviously, you do a nine-year contract. I'm sure the the university uh, built some security and protections into the contract in, in case there has to be an earlier termination. And you mentioned the coaches certainly have the capability of going to other schools in, in midstream. So do these contracts really mean anything? Uh, you know, I mean, to, to me, they do. Um, I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just giving you, kind of, to me, what it, in, in my industry perspective. You know, I, I, I do a contract with someone with the idea that I, I want them to, you know, I want them to be in place through that contract. Obviously, you know, s- certain things happen, and, and sometimes, you know, institutionally have to make a change, and, and certain opportunities happen, and sometimes, you know, coaches, you know, feel that they have to make a change. Um, but with that said, any t- for me personally speaking, Anytime I go in, into a contract negotiation, it's with the idea that that individual is going to uh, is going to fulfill that contract. Because I think one of the challenges in contracts out there, again, just nationally speaking, not not speaking specifically to Miami, but nationally speaking, is um, you know I think when a coach has when a coach has a great year, um, they look they look to sometimes increase their contract. Um, uh, yet if they if they don't, uh, you know they they don't come back and, and look to uh, you know, re- return money. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a believer in that you're uh, very supportive and, and you do everything you can uh, financially. And, and then that's the agreement. And then both sides should honor the agreement that was put in place. Blake, moving on to the to the next subject, every school in America has its Monday morning quarterbacks that question coaching decisions. and But it's usually reserved for the general fair, but fan base. And um really the untrained eye, but things have been different here recently. You've had a lot of ex, very prominent ex-Hurricane players, Philip Buchanan, Warren Sapp, in very public forums, 
Um, guys who have had long NFL careers and have a lot of credibility um, criticizing your coaching staff. And um, the thing that people wanted to know is what's your reaction to this backlash that has been occurring within the media um, fans, but particularly the ex-players of the Hurricane program who have been you know, outright disrespecting your coaches? It's, you know, I, I guess, you know, obviously I understand and, and, and appreciate the tremendous passion they have. I've often said, you know, we're, we're very fortunate in that I think our, our former student-athletes do a, a greater job of, of con- continuing to promote our, our brand and have a greater passion for our school than uh, I would put up against any school in the country. With that said, when, when you don't have success, you know, as we talked earlier, Gary, I mean, no one likes losing. And, and you know, a lot of those guys that are talking didn't, didn't lose many games. And, and so losing is not something that uh, I think any of them uh, enjoy, and especially not for their alma mater that they have such a great passion for. And so, um, you know, I, I understand the frustration. Um, you know, at the same time, obviously it's, it's you know, disappointing sometimes when that's verbalized as, as publicly as it is. Because I think at the end of the day, they all want the program to be top and um, to help us get back to the top. You know, personally, I, I don't think those those types of comments publicly help us do that. But you know what? It, it, I respect I respect what they what they want to do. They wore the U. Uh, they've done tremendous things for us. They have a tremendous amount of passion for it. So would I rather they not do it? W- without a doubt, because I, I personally don't think it helps. But at the same time, you know what? That's their right. They're part of the family. Uh, they they put on they put on the U. Uh, they if they want to if they want to go out and, and and express their opinions, um, you know I'm not someone to say hey they can't do that or, or, or those types of things. Again, if they're asking me, I would rather they not because again I think we all want to see the program get back to the top. And if we want to see the program get back to the top, then I think all we all need to do the things that best help to get to that point. And and I think. Public criticism isn't going to isn't going to help it. I don't know if it it hurts it or, or not. Um, you know, I think only time tells on those types of things. Um, but I definitely don't think it helps it. And so, to me, I want to do everything that I can to help us get back to the top. And, and I guess that's what you know, that's what I hope everyone who has a passion for the U would look at it that way. Well, you know, it's amazing. You don't really see this at, at other schools. It's it's the University of Miami where the alumni are on national television ripping the program or going on the radio and doing so. It's really a bizarre phenomenon. But um, I guess when things again, go bad, but, but again, I think it's it's one of the great things about our program, Gary, is we do have we have such great passion among our guys. I mean, you look at you know again whatever NFL lineup you want to look at on on Sunday, you know if there's a guy from Miami in there, he's promoting the fact that he went to the U. And there's not many in. Not, I wouldn't say there's not many. Uh, I think some schools, some guys have tried to tried to come close to to what our guys have have done in terms of promoting uh, the university. Uh, but it's it's not even the same ballpark. And so uh, you know, again, there's a tremendous amount of passion. There's a tremendous amount of passion, whether it's positive, uh, and obviously there's a tremendous amount of passion uh, when there's negative things going on. And, and you know, you, you 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 realize that and you recognize that. And again, like I said. My preference be that that it, it wasn't verbalized or put out there. Yeah, because I don't I don't know that it helps. But again, respect uh, I respect who they are and, and their choices, and uh, and they're they're all parts of the fa- they're all part of the family. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all part of the U family, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll we'll have great days together. I'm I'm, I'm confident of that. 
So, you know, so often the passion, whether it's former players or fans, turns into calls for public lynchings. And um, you've stated very clearly um, that your philosophy is to allow your coaches to run their programs, pick their staff, evaluate the job being done by the people working under them. And then each year you'll sit down and evaluate the job being done by the head coach and conduct those evaluations. So obviously that applies to Coach Golden and the football staff and his own evaluations of the people working under him. Um, But a a big question that people out here have is, as athletic director, at the end of the day, do you still have the final say on whether an assistant coach gets retained? Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess I'd say at, at the end of the day, yeah, probably just like at the end of the day, that the president ultimately has has any any decision you know that happens within the institution. So, um, you know, with that said, she has me run the athletic program and, and gives me the support I need. Um, you know, with that said, uh, you know, in, in this case, Al runs our football program, and I'll give him the support he needs to be successful. And uh, um, those are the conversations that we'll have, and uh, uh, and that's the approach I take. I, I'm, I'm a believer, and you can't tell people. Uh, what complements them best, or what comp- what what needs what needs that they have? If if that if that's the case, then then I probably should be the coach because I'm I'm determining all sorts of things that uh, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a part of day in and day out. And so, you know, as I as I shared with you before, Gary, you know, my belief is you know I hire head coaches to run their programs and uh, and then I give them the support they need to achieve success and and we talk about where their program's at and where it's going and and that's how we do their evaluation um but I do my evaluation holistically they do the evaluation of the ind- individual parts is there any point where you could see yourself crossing that line and dictating a move or decision on personnel yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, a lot of athletic you know, again, we have, like, you know, we have, we have, you know, we have uh, moral turpitude type issues. We have, uh, you know, NCA rules type issues where, you know, those those are just things that that are non-negotiable. Um, but I think maybe where your question was going on, you know, on on scheme or or specifics that are are purely football, uh, in this case, football related. Um, but again, for me, you know, any sport, you know, name the sport, basketball, baseball, tennis, whatever it is, um, it's not something where I'm getting in on, on the specifics of, of the nuances of, of the competition, you know, where I'm going to get involved if it's if it's a situation where, you know, we have an assistant that, that put us in a, in a bad position as an institution uh, for a decision they made away from uh, from the competition or for rules that they've broken within the NCAA guidelines, those types of things. So, um, again, if that situation were to come up, yes, without a doubt, I'd be stepping in and, and we'd be making a change. But you're not saying, Al, I'm not happy with the way you're playing defense. I don't care what you say. You're not renewing the contract of your defensive coordinator. That's yeah, not your. I, I, that's not yeah, your managerial. I might, talk, I might talk. I might talk to. Al, I might talk with Al about hey, how is our how is our offense getting better? How is our defense getting better? Or what you know? What are we doing on, on special teams? Or hey, where are we at with with recruiting? Or any one of those things? Those might all be conversations that that we have. But he's the one that needs to. He needs. He needs to be the one that has the power to make all those decisions of of the specifics of it. I, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask questions. Um, and again, he runs his program and, 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 and runs his program well, and uh, uh, he, he'll he'll make the decisions that are best for uh, the long-term success of our program. The next question, Blake, is who has the final say on head coaching decisions? Is it you or is it the president? 
I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 again, fortunately, I've been able to retain all of our head, you know, all of our, our um, I guess I'll say our, our big, you know, big sport coaches. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, again, as I said at the, at the start, I, I, do I talk with Donna? 100%. Has she agreed and supported with every every hire I've made? Uh, you know, 100%. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, if Donna ever wanted to, obviously she has that right. She's the president or whoever the next president is has that right. But, uh, uh, and again, fortunately, I haven't had to hire a coach in, 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 in one of our big four sports saying, you know, football, men's, women's, basketball, baseball. Um, but, you know, we've, ex- we've extended all the coaches and, and she's been uh, supportive of those decisions and uh, in agreement. And, you know, and again, obviously um, those are, those are decisions that, uh, uh, you need to look at institutionally, and so you know you have you have you have a number of different conversations. But at the end of the day, it's it's my job. Okay, on the topic of coaches, Miami's believed to be paying coaches across the board as well as it ever has. Um, yet the market for the best football coaches and recruiters around the country has absolutely skyrocketed the past few years, um, and you now have many coordinators and coaches out there making double what Miami coaches are paid today, even though you've. Um, considerably increased your payroll over the past several years. And, and some fans well, are looking at that and saying that the administration is not as committed to the football program as some others around the country. Um, I guess the question, the best way to phrase the question would be, if Al Golden comes to you and, and says, Blake, I, I need more money in my coaching budget to fix any of these issues that he might identify at the end of this season, can Blake James help him out? Yeah, and, and again, Gary, the thing I would say is, uh, you know, the, the university has been been very supportive of of elevating uh, our assistant coaches pool, and, and so I think it's it's important. While we while I'm not going to share numbers because we're we're a private school and we don't share our numbers, um, I, I have the benefit of looking at what all the other schools do pay that are public institutions, and and I can tell you. Uh, and there's not many that that meet the description that you talked about. There's not many that are uh, doubling uh, what we're paying, you know, what we're paying, our, you know, when you're talking coordinators, what we're paying our coordinators. Uh, um, so, I, I, you know, I, I well, guess like for example, like Louisville. Let, let's just take Louisville really quick. Um, is paying their defensive coordinator a million dollars a year? Uh, you know, just they they stole them from Georgia. They threw a million dollars on the table, added them. They have the top. I, I believe statistically still have the top right. defense and, in college football and again, right you know, again, Gary, because I'm not, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to say what, what we're paying. What I'm saying is if, if people look out there at, at, even at the, at the top people, we're very competitive. We're very competitive for, for our, for our coordinator position. So everyone that's listening to the show tonight should know, should know one thing. Are we paying more than anyone else in the country? No, I'm going to be honest. We're not paying more than anyone else in the country. Are we paying very competitively? Yeah, we're we're paying competitively. Could coaches go out and find uh, a few pay, places that pay more than Miami? Yeah, they could. But again, we're we're being we're being competitive, and and really that's you know as the athletic director where where I need us to be at is is we need to be competitive. And so you know that'd be the first part of it. The second part, you know, to your question of you know if Al came to me and said he needed you know more money for his for his coaching pool, obviously I'd want to get an understanding of 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 why and and how we were using it and. And, and for what reasons? Because again, I think again we're very competitive with our assistant coaches pool in uh, in, in, in football, and uh, um, that's not to say again it's not to say you can't you can't get better. But I'd want to get an understanding of of what we're doing and, and why. And then um, I would say I, I have I've always done everything I can uh, 
to to meet the expectations of our program. And so if it was something that was a a real uh, legitimate issue, uh, I'm I'm sure we'd figure out a way to make it happen. So Miami being too cheap with coaches, a bad rap in your mind? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, I'm down to five minutes. I'd say it's untrue. Now, if you're saying is is Miami the top-paying institution for for assistant coaches? No, we're not the top-paying institution. So we are, are definitely uh, we're definitely competitive. Right, I'm down to five minutes on the time I promised you, so I'm going to blow through some of these lingering things really you quickly. Got, you, got extra, you got an extra you got an extra half hour out of me. Oh really? No, oh, you I, mean... I said a half hour. You said an hour. So oh, I know. I, I'm down, extra, I'm down I already down... went an extra. I, went extra I know, and, and I'm now down to four minutes, so I got to go fast here. Right. I'm going to bring up some topics. You comment as quickly as possible. Um, okay. Relationship between the board of trustees and the athletic department. When things go bad, everybody has a trustee friend who they think is going to go and tell Blake James what to do. Do trustees influence athletic decisions at the University of Miami? No, we have an excellent relationship. We have a very uh, supportive, very supportive board and uh, a very generous board and uh, have a great relationship with, with the board. And uh, obviously it's a big board, so I won't say I have a personal relationship with every a board member out there, but I would say we have great leadership of our board and, and a very supportive board. How about boosters? Um, what, what is your question? Do boosters do, have do an, boosters, an influence do, do on, boosters on influence, Yeah, do boosters influence your daily decisions as athletic director? No, no. Uh, again, we have uh, again, you know, Gary. I think that, that the thing I will say is the 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 comments that I've gotten from you know. The people that I've talked to over the last, you know, the last, um, you know, month and a half, I'll say since the season started, have been have been very supportive and uh, uh, obviously, you know, wanting to see us have success. And again, like everyone, no one's happy. No one's happy when you win. But uh, uh, you know, again, whether it's the board or our boosters, whoever, everyone's been very supportive. Future schedules, big football games. You just got done playing Nebraska. Um, are any new deals on the horizon? What's the status of the 2017 opener against LSU? Uh, 2017, we will not be opening against LSU. So if that was out there, that that is false. But uh, you know, we're working on uh, we're working on some big games right now. I've uh, I actually was on I was on with uh, two uh, two different institutions today that are I guess I would say. Uh, New Year's Day bowl teams, but I think both are New Year's Day bowl teams from last year. But you know, big bowl uh, teams from last year that uh, we're talking about uh, coming up on future schedules, and uh, obviously it's it's great with the league with the Notre Dame situation uh, that we'll have them. Uh, you know, obviously the two more times in our agreement, but then another two more times after that, which uh, those will be uh, announced here as well soon. So uh, we have some we have some uh, big games coming down the road, and I think some that. Uh, Maybe it'll really surprise some people, but uh, I think it will be exciting for the fans. Anything you can tell us tonight? Any names you no, can mention? No, I, I don't. I, I don't comment until we get we get agreements. Otherwise, I get in trouble on on those, <laughs> those types of things. So uh, I, I will say there's some some, some that'll be coming soon uh, announcements, and, and some that we're working on long term. All right, let me move on then. Attendance at Sun Life Stadium Saturday obviously was a a disaster. Uh, Your thoughts on Sun Life Stadium, the attendance problem, and is there anything as athletic director that you think you can do? Well, we continue to push, you know, Gary, for, you know, a a facility that's a better fit for us. Um, With that said, 
the only facility that is a fit for us right now is Sun Life Stadium. Um, very excited about the, the renovations that the Dolphins have in place. I think it'll address a lot of the issues that you know all of us that saw games at the Orange Bowl, um, you know, were able to experience that tighter atmosphere. Um, and I do think it'll allow us to. Uh, permanently move the number of seats down to a, a lower, more manageable number for us. I think 75,000 just is is too big of a stadium for school size. I and mean, you look at, uh, we're going to go into Lane Stadium up in Blacksburg here in a couple of weeks, and I, I think what are they at 57, um, or, or maybe just you know a little bit bigger than that. So I mean to think we have uh, you know 17,000 more seats at at Sun Life Stadium uh, than they do at Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, obviously I, I think a, a smaller stadium is is a better uh, fits for us, and so you know, as long as it's Sunlight Stadium, we'll work with them on on looking at the enhancements and, and making it a, a facility that is a better fit for us. And if there ever was something that you know was in the you know forty to fifty thousand range, you know, in the market, obviously that'd be a, a, a huge win for us and something we'd be interested in, uh, and look to see what we could do to to get to that spot. Do you see the University of Miami ever having its own stadium, a tropical park, or anywhere else? I'm an optimist, so I, I'd like to say yes. Uh, you know that that I, I do it at some point in, in history. It's just you know it, right now it'd be it'd be hard to have any idea when something like that ever could happen. But you know it's something that uh, I, I will say. You know every every year I'll I'll, I'll look at it, what the possibilities are, and it'll always be a, a topic of conversation. And if it's something that we can make a reality, obviously you know it's something that I would be uh, very and with that said, um, until that point, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that uh, uh, Sun Life Stadium is everything we need it to be as a facility. And again, I, I do uh, think a lot of the improvements that the Dolphins are making are going to help make it a, a better fit for us, uh, you know, as a program. And, and I'm excited about that. Why aren't students going to games? You know, I, I think that's uh, you know that's that's not true. I mean, you look at you know last. Last Saturday, you know, because I get all the actual numbers, we had uh, just under 2,700 students actually, you know, through the turnstiles into the stadium. And so when you look at a student, uh, a student population of 10,000, uh, that 27% of them came out on a on a 92 degree Saturday afternoon at, at noon. Um, you know, to me says we do get good student support, and you know, I think student support honestly has been one of the areas where we've uh, I think had great support at Sun Life Stadium. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the, the the averages over the last few years have been almost 4,000 uh, students per game, and, and and sometimes even in higher than that. And so, in a, in a 10,000 student body, uh, that's a pretty good number. You put me at Ohio State with 60,000 kids, and I'm getting, you know, 40% of the population coming to games. That's a that's a big turnout I'm getting. And uh, uh, again, I think it's a credit to our students and, and a credit to um, you know, Pat Whiteley and her staff at Student Life, and obviously President Shalala and just doing the great job they do of promoting our athletic program. And so I, I, do we have an attendance issue? Without a doubt. Do I think the students are part of uh, our challenge? No. I think our students give us great support, and uh, uh, they're a big part of the energy that uh, that we do have on, on game day and, uh, you know, excited to, uh, you know, help them hopefully continue to grow as, as a group coming out to the games. Well, Blake, we're out of time. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed. Sure that... Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, happy to be on with you, Gary. Hopefully, uh, 
uh, answer the the questions to the to the liking of of the fan base. I'm, I'm sure you'll get a few emails uh, um, with uh, opinions the other ways. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think what I, I leave with saying is, it, we all want to see the, the the program back on the top. And and I assure everyone uh, that my my commitment is doing everything I can uh, to get us there. And whether that's improving our facilities, uh, you know, improving our sal you know salaries of our assistant coaches, our head coaches, um, investing more in in our student athletes. Those are all all things that we're going to continue to do as an institution. They're things that uh, Donna is supportive of as our president, and they're things that I'm confident the new president will be supportive of. And so uh, the timeline is, is never going to be as quick as uh, I, I know that uh, there's some out there in the market that want it to be, um, but know that it, uh, it it is coming, and uh, I, I will continue to push every day to uh, get us back to the top. So I'll leave you with that and uh, appreciate all the uh, uh, awareness and support you create for our program, Gary. And, you know, and, and can't thank you enough for coming on. And the, the beauty of today's world is you will get instant feedback. We've got two hours of show here. I've got 50 people on hold waiting to talk about what you said tonight. And, of course, it's the message boards and Twitter. So we will get instant feedback on this session. But, but I do think that we, we did our best to tackle the, the, the tough issues that are facing the, the department today. And, um, you know, thank you so much for giving us your time. No problem, Gary. Have a great night. That was Blake James, University of Miami Athletic Director. And, um, you know, yeah, like I just said to him, you know, I, I think that, you know, you guys really have to be very appreciative. There are not a lot of athletic directors around the country that would give an hour of their time like this and, and go on a show like Kane Sport Live. You know, th- th- this is not an in-house uh, production. I mean, you know, we don't shy away from the tough topics um, here and – you know, I, I'm sure some of you weren't happy with some of the answers. You might not have been happy with the way I asked the questions. Um, I'm sure there'll be animated discussion on the message boards about the whole thing. Um, but, you know, you submitted the questions. Um, I got to most of them. I, I There were a couple that, that just didn't make the cut. I promised them we would only be an hour. Um, but I, I, I asked every single one of them, and I asked them pointedly, and I think he did the best he could do to answer them, and, and he's a guy with a lot of integrity. I don't think he was BSing you, as some of you think he might have been. Um, I, I know Blake James relatively well. I, I've watched him work, and I never, during that entire hour, was sitting here saying, this guy is, is giving the fans a bunch of BS. And um, so I hope you guys appreciated the time that he did give you this evening. Um, but now we do have two hours to talk about it. So we will um, progress on to the more traditional part of our show. Like I said, we've got 50 lines going tonight. Um, most of them are, are taken up right now, but they will open up as we um, get into callers here on the show. The number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, let's begin now in the 757 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, what's up, Gary? Who's this? How you doing this evening, sir? How you doing, doing tonight? Did you, enjoy, did you enjoy that I'm segment? I'm doing fine, sir. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Everything good, sir. Um, I heard Blake James talk for a while. I ain't got nothing against the man. I don't think going go nowhere, so that's a lot of stuff. Here's what we're going to get with me right quick. The third down conversions, if we plan on beating Virginia Tech or anybody else the rest of the season, if they don't get this third down situation straight, we can win this from them more games. The defense, it'll do what it do. But that offense, first and second down was great. Third down, we just ferocious. It's just terrible. I mean, something has to change on that for real. I don't know if it's a down and distance. I know sometimes they get penalty. Oh, yeah, the penalty. 
what is going on? Six six weeks into the season, and we getting penalties left and right on a regular. Uh, well, don't just ignore that. Seriously, ignore that. Those refs were from the um, the other conference, and that was the biggest home job I've seen in a long time. Okay, they 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 from the very beginning of that ball game were just looking to throw any flag they could throw to keep Cincinnati. I'm not going to say try to fix the game for Cincinnati because I don't think that was possible because Miami was that much better than the Bearcats. But they were clearly they were. trying to do whatever they could do. To, to keep that game respectable. And 155 yards in penalties, it was a total joke. Those guys should be ashamed of themselves, and I wouldn't lose any sleep over that for five seconds. I feel pretty certain Al okay. Golden is not. Okay, and uh, I guess other than that, um, the other question was, uh, let me see. Oh, as in the games that we have won, to me, we really ain't won. We ain't really beat nobody. Okay, we beat this. Okay, but then they turn around and beat Georgia Tech. We yes, that's not nobody now. Year. They went into Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech. Okay, now the, yeah, but that, we went there and stunk it up. I understand. We went and, there and stunk it up. And it, but but, but it's, that's it's, my it's point. Unforgivable. I under, I understand it's unforgivable. But I don't think we could say Duke is nobody because they did go do what Miami couldn't do. Uh, that, 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 but to me, Duke ain't nobody. But that's another story too. But the signature game we need is FSU, and I hope they don't suspend Winston before that. Which it looks like he's going to get suspended due to this autograph signing stuff, whatever. But uh, we need that FSU game big, big and bad. We we don't need to lose no more, really, because we got Virginia Tech. going to be tough. I remember you told me a couple weeks ago, remember that Blackberry game? And I did, and it's going to be cold, like 35 degrees at nighttime. Oh, my God. Carolina. Oh, yes. I, I pulled up the 10-day forecast, buddy. 56. Degrees in the day, 35 at night. So you better bring your gear if you're going there, baby. It's going to be nifty with a little bit of wind blowing. But other than that, I ain't going to hold you because you got 50 other people. I just yeah, hope we, we can get it together. Get a lot of people enjoy the evening. Again. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care of yourself. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's, let's go out now to the uh, 770 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you have to call back. Um, let's go to the 305, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Who's this? It's D. Pete. Hey, what's up, D. Pete? What you got for us tonight? Can you put me on hold? Thanks. Uh, all righty. Uh, let's go to the uh, – no, no problem moving through calls tonight. Let's go to the um, the 678 now. Where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Good evening, man. How you doing? It's Uki O eight from the board. What's up, Uki? How you doing this evening? I'm doing all right, man. Um I don't really have too much to talk about for the uh Blake James um interview. But um I do want to touch on um um the uh attendance issue and stadium issue a little bit. Um one thing that I'm that I'm that I look at because I've I've only been to I live in I live in Atlanta area now, but I used to go to games when with my uncle back in the, the Orange Bowl. Now I've only been to one game at Sun Life Stadium since they moved there. Um, and the thing I think that it's missing for its game, the game atmosphere, and just the game experience from the from the U now is college football is very traditional. I mean, if you Look around the country, it's all about tradition. It's all about tradition. And it's a lot of things that have actually changed 
from the game experiences from the Orange Bowl to Sunlight Stadium, from the actual music that is played during the games, and even running through the smoke has changed. I, I really don't care for that flammable helmet. I think it's just ridiculous. It just looks so amateurism. I wish they would get rid of that. But it's and even the little things that Al Golden has brought since he's been here, the swinging of the arms, the 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 cane walk, that's not cane tradition. That's stuff that you see at Ohio State, Penn State, uh, SEC traditions. That's not the University of Miami's tradition. I think that we have tried to adapt to many other uh, traditions instead of sticking with what worked with us before. What really gave us home field? Let me ask you a question: Have you you been out there for Kane's Walk? I haven't been out there for Kane's Walk. No, I haven't. Oh, then you can't you can't comment on that. I mean, it's it's a nice little thing. I'm not knocking it, Gary. Gary, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that that's not that's not that's not Miami's tradition. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm sure it's a great experience and everything. Seeing the players come through, seeing the coaches come through, I'm I'm sure that it is a great experience. But that's just not something that if you know if you've been a Kane fan for fifteen plus years, that's not something that you're used to seeing. And what I, I'm more so I'm getting towards is about the game atmosphere. It's just a lot of things that I feel that I don't know who's doing the promoting or who's doing whatever in the administration. They're kind of lacking, and there's some things that should be tweaked. You know, I've heard, like I said, I've heard people talk, complain about the music, the actual music in the stadium that's being played, or um, the, the the noon games being played, like this past weekend. And another thing that I want to touch on was the promotion of the um, the Hall of Fame inductees. Who idea was to even have that during the Cincinnati game? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was I agree with you. That was a terrible decision. I mean, you're going to have that's going to be your lowest attendance, and I think that's just that's just flat out disrespectful to the the people that you're you're um there to uh, salute. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do that, that was a that was a bad decision. If you're going to do that, I mean, you, you do that through an FSU week or something. You know, you know that, that was just crazy. Yeah, and, and certainly once the game was set for noon, I mean, I think you had to know that your attendance was going to be challenged that day. So. Um, agree. Any other points you want to make tonight? Uh, that's about it, man. Uh, just put me on hold. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, we got a few open lines now. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Um, let's go out to the 954 now, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Doing good. Who's this? Oh, this is Scott. All right, Scott. Just wanted to uh, up. call. Hit up. What's that? Right? Speak up. Don't be shy. I'm not being shy. Sorry, I can't. No, no, I mean, talk, me. I talk, a little, talk, talk a little louder so we can hear you. I am go fine. ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to say, let me go to the other way. Sorry, you might have a bad connection. Um, no, you're right. Two things. Uh, Blake James talked about. It was semi comforting uh, here, maybe, about the openness to a stadium. Like the last caller said, I mean, you said that the challenges, some of the uh, decisions made by the school. Um, I was going to actually say something about the Hall of Fame thing. Why not put that on the UNC weekend or the Florida State weekend? You advertise 
a two-week mini plan. I don't know how many you've sold, but obviously you've you've pointed those two games at home as being your better games of the year, wanting to have more people in the crowd. And yet you probably, besides FAMU and Arch State, I mean, this is probably the worst game you could bring in to the Hall, the Hall of Fame guys back and salute them in front of maybe 10,000 people. Um, but second of all, I wanted to comment on what we saw the other day and one other thing Blake talked about real quick. Uh, I, I like what we saw uh, offensively. Defensively, I still think there's just way too many holes going on. Um, and I know you're not a night. I don't know if you're going to talk much about football, more about the Blake interview, what's going on, but I just wanted to touch on the holes I saw. Um, we saw a very drastic uh, defense against Duke, a much more aggressive defense, a more schematic man-to-man defense. Uh, they had a short third and one, third and two, going in for a touchdown, I believe, around the 15-yard line. Fentress made a play. We lined up about nine guys within a yard or two of the line of scrimmage. Compared that to the third and twos we saw at uh, Nebraska and Georgia Tech. So, to me, it's just extremely odd and confusing why things change from week to week. I mean, that, that game sandwiched Nebraska in GT. So, okay, maybe these guys learn from Nebraska, and all of a sudden we come into Georgia Tech, and it's like we're watching the same thing all over again. Well, I will say also, real quick, going back to Blake, I think a lot of guys on hold. Uh, for him to say that, I mean, the, he, he, he copped out your question about talking about Kenny Bell's uh, touchdown pass, uh, Deion Bush blitzes, and then he has a nerve to, to blame Duke. I mean, I got it was a momentum kill, obviously, but stuff happens. I mean, Duke Johnson played a hell of a game that night, and... Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Things happen in football games. So, you know, that, that's, the, you know, all right. So so that was that contributed to the loss, no question. Um, but, the, you know, very few teams in, in any level of football are going to play perfect games. You're going to have turnovers. You're going to have busts and things like that to overcome during the course of the game. And you have to be able to overcome them and win. At the, and at the end of the day, winning and losing is all that matters. Um, I don't think anybody can make a case that Miami doesn't have problems on defense, whatever they may be. Um, I've consistently said I don't think it's just Mark D'Onofrio. I still feel that way. Um, but, you know, without question, they have problems on defense. Can I ask you to, something real quick then about that? They need to be addressed. I, mean, I know yes, you absolutely. said it's not yep. a one-man scapegoat. Yep. I mean, I have my opinion on it. I'd like to share it maybe after I ask you. But what, who who do you – it's a group effort, yes. I, I, I think it's beyond the one-man – I think it's probably – a three-man scapegoat, possibly on the staff. I mean, I, I would lump Paul Williams in there, and I because our I'm not saying our DBs. I mean, our guys are near the ball. I mean, our, our corners are decent in coverage. Their ball skills are absolutely horrendous. I mean, I mean, Tracy Howard looked like a damn clown out there the other day, just circling and just throwing the ball go three yards yeah. over his head. I mean, that was I, insane. I agree. And, I agree. I mean, Franklin obviously that's the cliche guy too. I mean, I mean, there's some talent on defense line. I see Miles Garrett at Texas A&M. Yeah, he's a freshman. I mean. Kid, go play 20 snaps and go after the quarterback. That's what we got you for. Well, here, here's, the, here's the thing. And, and and, give me a second. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned Miles Garrett yeah. because, you know, he is a perfect example of what I will say is part of the problem. Um, I watched Miles Garrett at some of the at some of the camps. We had him at, the, at a couple of the rivals camps um, last year, and, and I thought the kid was unbelievable. And, and he clearly stood out to me as an elite talent. And – the the problem that I see is Miami's not in the game for kids like that. They're they're not even in the in 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 the stratosphere for those level of players, and and they're recruiting from the second tier. And and at some point, um, 
I, I think that the coach that's recruiting defensive linemen has to take responsibility for that, you know, and, and you know, you've got 15 defensive linemen on this team right now. And the only one, you know, there's only a handful um, if you want to include Chad Thomas and maybe Muhammad, if he comes back in beast mode and, you know, maybe McCord will continue to, to develop, but there's only a handful of those guys that clearly are, have the capability of, of being even remotely close to impact players. And to me, that's a problem. When, when, when you can't recruit at the top level of college football, you're recruiting from the second tier, and you just don't have players that are good enough at those positions. And that's one of the problems that they have on defense. No, I agree with that. But I, I, in, see, I, I play defense line in college. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I went to Georgia Tech and played ball there. I'm still a big Kings fan. I support a couple, you know, both teams. But, um, I mean, I, I lived and died in the Orange Bowl from – Hell, I was six years old when they played Notre Dame that night in 1989. I mean, that was my first fond memory of being a Canes fan. Um, but anyway, I see what Miles Garrett's told to do. I mean, great, he's not great. He's out there with his he, – he looks like a fish with his head cut off half the time. But, you know, at least the kids out well, there – he's a true freshman, but he's damn good. Exactly, but he's being aggressive. He's being aggressive. I don't see uh, – and Chad Thomas, uh, maybe he's not as athletic as Miles Garrett, a little bit bigger guy. But they pretty much play the same position. I mean, I'm sorry, they, they're defensive ends. And Chad Thomas has a quick first step, but he's not I, – I, I just cringe. I feel like our kids are not put in position to succeed to, or to play to their strengths to succeed. Chad I, Thomas Chad is a great Thomas prospect. Lineup. He's a great prospect from what, but from what I saw when, you know, when they were all on the field together, all the top players in the country. Miles um, Garrett was at a whole different level. He was bad. I, 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 look, I remember now the Under Armour game I watched. I, I saw yeah, Miles I mean, that Garrett. doesn't mean it can't change. He was a better player. Change. But my, 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 I guess my, I'm not saying my gripe is Chad Thomas is Miles Garrett. I'm saying let Chad Thomas play the role Miles Garrett plays, something like that. Let him play to his strength. Let Tyreek McCord just get on the field and go for the quarterback. You know, don't drop him in coverage 30, 40% of the plays. Let him play to his strengths. And I feel like I sometimes I just, you know, I think that's the big thing of the fans. I mean, I, I, you know, my buddies are all season ticket holders. I don't live in Miami anymore, but. You know, I watch the games religiously, talk to them. I mean, these kids, and we know football. I mean, I played ball. I was a GA at USF for a year. I mean, I've been in the coaching box. I, I coached with Jim Levitt. I was on his staff. These guys are not put in position to succeed, and these guys, I feel like, are playing with a hand tied behind their back. I mean, I see zone plays. I've heard mental errors. I've heard, I mean, busts, or, you know, that's the doctor's favorite word, mentals. I mean, if you're having mentals after three years and six games, I mean, this is what they're – 42nd, 43rd game together now? I mean, something's got to fall back on you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for not getting through these kids, whether it's this totally year agree. or last and that, year or maybe and, and in the 24th game, you know, two years ago. You're absolutely right, and, and that goes far deeper than just Mark D'Onofrio. Um, it could extend to position coaches. It, ex- it could extend to the kids who maybe, who maybe aren't as invested as they need to be. It's a team effort, but without question – Huge disparity on this football team between the offensive side of the organization and the defensive side of the organization. Not even close right now. Um, on the Al Golden and coaching staff issue, if Al Golden addresses that this offseason, it's my personal opinion he will be the coach at the University of Miami as long as he wants to be. If he doesn't do it, um, I, I think that you know th- there's going to be obviously huge issues even going into next year, and that, that will not shine very favorably on him as well. Anything else I agree tonight? with you there. And I'll, no, I'll let you guys want to say thanks for the time. Uh, you know, let me get my piece through. And I, I hope to see him make some changes. You know, about a couple of guys I mentioned, I don't like to see guys lose their jobs. But, you know, this is a performance business. And four years in, I don't see, you know, these guys perform at the level 
you know, Blake James said Miami's in a national title uh, hunt as a program. That's where they want to be. Well, then you got to bring some guys in here that that can offer that. I mean, Larry Coker you're right, you're lost. Absolutely right. Great, Chuck great McDonald, call. You brought in Mark Stoops as a DB coach. You got to bring guys in that. Well, Paul Williams is not going to be a head coach ever in his life. Jethro Franklin will not be a head coach. You know what? Butch Davis is a head coach. He was a D-line coach. Chuck Pagano is a head coach. He was a DB's coach. Tommy Tuberville was a linebacker coach. He's a head coach. You have to bring guys in that you can see that trajectory 10 years from now and say, hey, this is the guy that I need on my staff. And I hope that's what Al Golden does. And I appreciate your time, Gary, and I hope you put me on hold. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048. is the number. Um, one or two lines open right now. Let's go out to the 240. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. And uh, before we get started, I'm going to say, everybody, please try to keep your points real tight tonight. I want to get as many people on as possible over the next hour and 40 minutes. Um, 240, you're now live. How are you? What's going on, Gary? This is uh, D Black 21. What's up, D Black? How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, I like that that last caller. He was definitely strong and on point. Well, everything was. Yep. Everything he had to say, and uh, I want to piggyback off a couple things he had to say. Um, when uh, you and Blake was was talking, and and he was talking about you were talking about Jimmy when y'all was having a having a beer together, and Butch when the, they flew the banner over the stands. And there's two things that both of those great coaches have in common. They realize the weakness of their team, and they got rid of them. And they brought new people in, and the rest is history. Now, yeah, and and I think the Butch Davis analogy, D. Black, is a really good one, because Bill Miller, I mean, he may not have had as close a relationship with Butch as, say, Mark D'Onofrio and his family have, but Bill Miller and, and Butch Davis were very, were pretty tight, and, and he had to make a tough decision there in, in replacing Bill Miller with Greg Schiano. But um, you see where Greg Schiano's gone in his career, and those are the level of coaches that you need if you want to be in the upper echelon of college football. Exactly, and just what the caller said. But he named all those other coaches that went assistants that went to be head coaches. Greg Schiano's the same thing. He Look what he did to Rutgers. He went to the NFL. Yeah, he wasn't a great NFL coach, but guess what? He was a great college coach, NFL. Enough say. You know, and and another thing about the schematic and the scheme, did you see in the game on Saturday when Trent Harris was covering that receiver downfield? Yeah, you see the same thing every week. I, it's, it's just baffling. Like, you got a defensive end trying to cover a wide receiver on a pass play. 20, 30 yards downfield, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> That's the scheme they're playing, you know. I mean, <laughs> and, and one we, more thing, we, and then I, I know we got a bunch of Canes fans on hold, and I want them to be able to get their ample time. But um, I, y'all stated that, you know, we missed maybe 16 practices due to weather and things of that nature. But Al Golden's team isn't the only team in Canes history to miss practices due to weather. True. And none, and none of the other coaches ever made no no excuses about it. They just put their hard hat on and they boot. Okay. And Al, Al Golden's not making it. D-Black, let's be fair. He's not making excuses about it either. No, I, I'm just saying. I mean. But it, it is an you know, issue. I mean, it, it's an issue, but they're not the only. All I'm saying is they're not the only Kings team in history that had to endure and deal with that. And let's be honest. That's Al, true. your 
Al, your Kings team right now has the best facilities that any University of Miami team has ever had. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, Gary, I know you want to see your beloved Kings fans do better, your Kings team do better. I want to see our beloved Kings do better. Kings Nation wants to see us do better. 11 years, oh, my God, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, 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 hurt. It's, it's disheartening. It, it hurts really bad. But right, on a lot of note, you got anything no, else tonight? Keep, just, no, just keep me a hold. Just keep me a hold, and um, I enjoy what you do, and, and, and keep and keep doing it, Gary. All right, D Black. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. All right. Um, let's go out now to the seven eight six, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hello, are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. All right, let's go to the 404, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary, how you doing, man? Doing good. Who's this? This is Roland, man. I called last week. I was the last caller last week. You remember? All right, well, you got in early this week. What you got? I did, I did, man. So uh, I, was, I brought up some points last week. I didn't get a chance to really bring all the full points up because I know time was ending. But uh, remember I was talking to you last week about um, Jethro Franklin. I was at the, the, the Miami-Georgia uh, Tech game, and I was right on the 30-yard line. And I was yep. saying they need to make change, changes with him because I don't know what what communication he was trying to communicate to the D-line because it wasn't working, man. It, it didn't work that game. But, um, and also, um, honestly, we talked about the receivers. Brendan Carroll, I mean, as far as recruiting, you know, guys on the West Coast, I'm all in with that, but as far as Miami having a, a, a wide receiver coach, that's something that I think they need as well, man. Because the receivers well, wait, now wrong. time out, man. I mean, how could the receivers be playing any better? I mean, uh, actually, other than ask, other than look, Stacey look, look, Foley look, look, having a hard time, I mean, my God, I mean, these kids like Dorsett's averaging but 30 yards of reception. Barrios is playing. But wait Garrett. a minute, Barrios is playing as a true freshman and and, and looks like a, a freaking pro out there. Uh, Malcolm but Lewis Garrett. is back. His old form. Wait a minute, I'm going down the list. You're knocking the receivers. <laughs> I'm, Gary, uh, but look, but Dorsett is in his fourth year. Every a lot of his routes, uh, goal routes. You look at you look at Stacey Coley, second year, and I'm just straight talent. That's just just straight raw talent as far as development. As far as, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. No, I don't. I, I don't. Agree. You were you were way off base. You cannot criticize. Who's the best? Ru- who's the best route runner on on that? Uh, from the, out of out of all those wide receivers, who's the best route runner? Coley runs really good routes. Um, I think Malcolm Lewis is becoming a pretty good route runner. Bar- Barrios, for a true freshman, is amazing in that regard. Um, I, I, but, I agree with that. He's solid. But let me, okay. let me go back to, to just tell you what happened to Stacy Coley because he, he 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 is a legitimate point and and really the only legitimate point at that receiver position. Um, he had his wisdom teeth removed in the summertime and missed several weeks of work um, with the rest of the team. And and during the course of that procedure and everything he went through with that, he lost. Um, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but it might have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 pounds. And he hasn't been able to get his strength back and he's lost some of his explosion and they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to get him open and they're just, they're having a harder time getting him open. He, he doesn't have the explosion that he had a year ago. Um, he's going to need a good off season in the weight room. He's going to have to eat. He's mm-hmm. going to have to get stronger and then he'll come back. He'll have two years left 
and should play much better than he's playing this year. But, you know, I understand how Brendan Carroll's an easy target because, you know, he hasn't been a receivers coach and um, and, and he's not looked at in, in that regard. But you can't knock the, the job that he's doing with the receivers because they're playing great. Yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to let you have that. I'm going to definitely let you have that one. I'm not going to – because that's, again – I just, you know, I just, that's just my opinion. I mean, I looked at a lot of routes that, and again, I'm not on that staff. I'm not, I'm not on any staff. So I'm just making just a general opinion on my thoughts on, on, on the receivers and as far as their development. But, but again, you feel like you know they're progressing. So, you know, that's kind of it, it is what it is. But, um, um, I'm gonna just, you know, if you can just put me on hold, man, and I'm gonna just listen in. Uh, to the rest of All the right, show. so uh, and b- before I do that, so in fairness to you, the point you're trying to make is you've been watching the routes that they're running, and you think they I, could be I running think, better. I just think they could. All I'm simply saying is this: from not, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I have not been on a coaching staff, but I just think that the receivers could be de- developing a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. Nothing else. I'm, all right. I'm not even knock, okay. I'm not knocking Brendan Carroll as, as a coach, but 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 not not as a as a recruiter. I like that, but but as a wide receiver coach, I don't know. I just think the guys could be developing a lot better, you know. All so right. I mean, you look at okay. Santana Moss was a track guy. Remember that he was a track guy when I mean, he came to Miami, and he left out. I mean, playing with the Jets, the Skins, still in the league. So I don't know, man. I mean, I just that's just my point. I'm gonna just listen in. Hey, fair enough. I, I don't know what you're watching or, or who you think's not developing, but you're certainly entitled to your opinion, and uh, thank you so much for being uh, part of the show. Let's go out now to the um, the 917, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? It's me. Hey, hey Gary, what's up? BK Hurricane. Hey, what's, hey, what's going on, man? Try to, turn on? Down that back, try to turn down that background noise for us and uh, tell us what you've got. Hey Gary, what's up, man? Sorry, I missed you the last couple of weeks. I've been ha- having a little trouble getting on. No problem. So, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I think that win. Uh, yeah, I think that win lulled us to sleep, Gary. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you know, I, I mean, we seem a little bit more tame tonight, which is we seemed a little bit more tame tonight, which is good. Well, I mean, you can't be ripping everybody every week. Although our previous caller was talking about receivers not developing, I don't know. I don't know what he's watching. I mean, I'm watching kids that are performing. I'm watching an offense that's putting up, to, you know, ten ten yards a play uh, is getting first downs on like one out of every two play. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, you know. So yeah, can't. yeah. I mean, the offense looks pretty impressive you know, so far, but, you know, like, I question just a couple of things that they do on offense, like, uh, like, um, I think it was in a Georgia Tech game, like, for instance, when we saw Damari Jones in there, and he dropped the easy first down pass, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, why is Damari Jones even on the field? Well, because he's he's involved in that, when they go to that package where they bring in bigger receivers to block for the bubble screens, and they ran a they ran a variation out of that personnel group where they where they faked the bubble screen and Damari Jones just happened to be in the game <laughs> and and the ball went to him. I mean, I I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, 
they've got situational substitutions oh, okay. they like to go to, and obviously that develops tendencies, and they look at their tendencies. And it's one thing James Coley does a great job of. He looks at his tendencies, and he'll make sure that he throws things into the game plan that go against the tendencies to screw up the defense. Oh, okay, so um, about Clive Walford and just basically the tight end development, you know, I think he's doing all right. You know what I'm saying? He'll be, a, you know, like maybe a first-day draft pick, maybe third round or so. But Having a great like, year. what do you think about them not? Yeah, he is. What do you think about them not getting Standish Dobar more involved in the, you know, in the passing game? You know, ever since that, you know, like the one. Uh, wow, what game was that when Kaya overthrew him and the ball was intercepted? I forgot. Yeah, what game I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, I I think that's a, a lot of that. Like you just haven't well. seen him. Well, it's because Walford's playing so well. He's getting most of the reps. That's the only reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, right. other than that, you know, you know, you know, I'm glad we're not beating a dead horse with the whole defensive thing. Uh, Blake, Blake James sounds like a pretty, you know, he sounds like a pretty good guy, good head on his shoulders. And I think, you know, just based off of what he said tonight, I think that at the end of the season, there will be, you know, some progression going into 2015. Like, you know, things will be different. I hope that's the impression I got out of him from that conversation you had with him. Fair enough. Well, thanks for being part of the show tonight. All right, Gary. All right. Talk to you next week. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 is the number. Uh, we've got a few open lines available. Let's go now to the um, let's go to the 954, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? All righty, let's go to the yeah, yeah. let's go to the nine oh four. You're now live on. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, you with us? Oh, Come on, guys, we've got to get our act together tonight. Um, let's go to the um, let's try the two oh five. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, there? Doing good. Who's this? It's Big Slaughter, man. How you doing tonight? Hey, how are you, man? I'm good, what do you got man. for us? Got out work. What do you got for us this week? Um, um, listening to Blake James, man, he um had me a little encouraged right now. I see the um, I like the fact that he said he's open, you know, to if something comes available with a forty thousand seat stadium, he'll be, you know, pretty, you know, pretty open to switching sites if that comes about. He didn't, you know, shut the door on it saying, you know, no, we're not going to change. We got a contract with something like stadium, blase, blase. Well, um, you know, he's a guy He's a guy. just to comment on that real quick. Uh, he's planning on being the athletic director of Miami for the next 20 years, and, and there is no question um, that exploring the possibilities of building, you said 40, I, I think 50 is probably the more appropriate size, um, seat stadium, somewhere like Tropical Park, without question, mm-hmm is on his radar screen. Um, will he be able to get it done? Uh, you know, a lot will depend on the new president and, and, and how strongly that person stands behind Blake James and, and if he gets a chance to continue to be Miami's athletic director, which right now there's no reason to think that that won't be the case. Um, but there, without a doubt, is a, is a stadium on his radar screen. He, I mean, it just seems like he gets the fact. He's like, look, you know, he sees, you know, like we got to get more people in here. He, 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 I like the fact that he, he recognized that. And another point, I, um, 
I like it um, that he talked about. Um, I got the sense that um, it's, it's going to be something that's going to um, going to come about for us with a coaching change. I don't think Golden's going to get fired. I think um, I actually think they're going to probably move Donofrio um, down to a position coach or something like that. Like you said, I don't think he's going to throw his plan out. You know, he would be a great team. linebacker coach. He really would. Yeah, I, I think. He, I think. My personal opinion is he should go to the NFL. I, you know, I, I think for whatever reason, this coordinator thing is not working out for him. And, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, I think it's not just his fault. There, there are a lot of factors, but it's not working out. There's a lot of pressure on Al Golden to make some changes in that regard. I think Mark D'Onofrio would be a great linebacker coach in the National Football League. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think that's going to come about. I think they probably explore options right now, something like that. So, you know, I mean, people know it's time for a change. And Al Golden, I think he's smart enough to see that. I've been bashing Al for the last couple of weeks, but – it's come to a time where you know you got at the end of the day you got to do what's best for your family, and I think the AD he seems like he has a little knowledge for the for the game itself, you know, and I, I think he you know like you said he's been checking with Al what what happened on this play this that and, and the third, um, but you know I was just sitting back and watching rewatching the games man, and the 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 most frustrating thing about this team is. We just an above average defense of well being national contenders. Because like you said earlier, we're averaging we averaging yards to play at a national level, like the Alabamas and like the you know, the Florida States. We can score with the best of them. But we just can't we just can't stop nobody. So if we just able to get two or three critical stops in game situations, that's a big difference in our season. You see what I'm saying? We we can go from being ten and one to six and six, just like in the um just like in the Nebraska game, we was two stops away. Um, Georgia Tech, we two, you know, one or two stops. You see what I'm saying? So that's the most frustrating thing about being a Kane fan right now. We see it with the offense, but it's just like, damn, just the defense, just give us two stops when we need it, you know. And it's kind of like the Mississippi State and Ole Miss. They're getting the stops when they need to get the stops. They're not bad. I mean, personally, I don't think they got better players than us, Ole Miss or Mississippi State. A lot of these guys just been there a long time. And we haven't had the luxury to, to redshirt none of these guys. You see what I'm saying? Like, the uh, in, I don't know, the, the, in the defensive end, there was a number one, um, number one line um, defensive end coming out. And those, I can't really pronounce his name. His brother is a, um, his brother is a redshirt guy. You know, just guys like that. You know, fifth, they got a lot of fifth-year guys, and you're seeing the benefits of that. You see what I'm saying? So, but you know, like I said, thank you for bringing Blake James on, man. Just keep me on, um, just keep me on hold, and you know, just um, give your opinion on what I was talking about. All right, Slaughter. Hey, thanks for being part of the show again this week, and uh, give us a call next Tuesday. All right, let's go now to the 305, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Is that me? That's you. Okay, How you doing I, this evening? I, I, I'm good. I missed the interview, so I, I'm just listening. I missed yeah, the interview. Right. Okay. The, my, my biggest, got, you know what? Just since I missed it, can you tell me? Did he mention anything about possibly replacing the defensive coordinator? Because that was my whole interest in what, this. What What he said is his philosophy is he hires head coaches, and head coaches make the decisions on their staff, and only in the in the most unforeseen circumstances, like an NCAA issue or things like that, would he step in and dictate to his head coach who has to be on his staff. So the answer to your question is no. Do not expect Blake James to make that decision. It's Al Golden's show. Now, what would make Al Golden make that decision? What kind of pressure would he feel besides the fans? The fans don't really mean anything to him. I mean, what would well, make him make that decision? 
he's got to win. I mean, you know, this isn't like an open-ended deal now. I mean, he's in year four now. Next year, he's going to be in year five. I mean, it's showtime, you, you know, and, and, and he's going to – he has to look at his program and figure out where they're not good enough and what moves he can make to allow him to have a chance to become good enough or else, you know, then it's going to be himself that's called into question and nobody's going to have a job. And that's just the reality of the business. And it's also possible, I'm just assuming, that Blake James wouldn't tell us if he did put pressure on Goldman at the end of the year. Blake, anyway. no, he would okay. tell you. What he told you is the uh, tonight is the honest truth. That's how he manages. Hmm. You that's know, crazy. And, and I said this last week, and I'll say it again right now. You know, Blake James is very good to Al Goldman. He doesn't micromanage. He, he, he does everything he can do to give the football program the resources it needs to be successful. Al Golden would be doing him a great injustice if, if, if it needed to get to the point where Blake James needed to go and meddle into his coaching decisions. You know, Al Golden's got to be able to sit there and make evaluations and, and, and yeah. look and see what's right That's for right. his program. I think it's just, it's just crazy as a fan, you know, after watching all these years of the same crap going on with this defense, the same style. I mean, I notice it. I'm not a football expert, you know, X's and O's type of guy or anything. I've never been a coach or anything like that. But, I mean, I've noticed from the first year the kind of passive way we play defense, and it's just very different than what we're used to over here in Miami. Well, it, and, it, might, it might be a great scheme, but with this set of, of players and this set of coaches, it's not working. So you got to try something right. different so, at some point. Right. You, almost, you can't, you can't just keep throwing football that. seasons away. Everybody you, in the country seems to know that, but Al Golden and the entire staff would well, never admit that it might be premature because I think that he knew he had problems at the end of last year. I think he decided that because of everything that they had been through um, in his first three years as a coaching staff with the NCAA issues and everything else and the roster turn or turnover and trying to get this team right, I think he felt an obligation, his coaches, to give them one more shot this year. Well, now this year is coming and going, and Miami is still not relevant in college football. Nothing has changed. And he's he's going to have to look at it with with a with a, a tighter microscope, and um, that shouldn't have to involve Blake James. And and the managerial style of the athletic director sh- should hold up. Now we'll see what happens. So okay, so last thing, Gary, um, do us all a favor. Can you give me your opinion? What percent you think Golden keeps uh, this this crew, this the uh, crew, defensive coordinator? I, I think it's bigger than just a defensive coordinator, but I would say 20%. That would be my opinion. 20% they keep him or 20% he gets rid of him? No, 20% that, this, that the staff comes back intact next year. I, I think the, yeah, there's I think there almost definitely will be changes. I will be stunned if there's not changes. But you're not sure if it, if it starts as a defensive coordinator? I think it's bigger than just a defensive coordinator. I'm not convinced that the defensive coordinator has the help that he needs to have a chance. Um, you know, I, I think it's a bigger issue than just one guy. And I've felt that way brings, all along. But if he brings back D'Onofrio and changes up some of the staff, you know, I don't you know, that's like, I don't that think that that'll happen fun. either. I, I think that there will be multiple moves on the defensive side of the organization. I think Al Golden's way too smart okay. to not see what everybody else sees, and that's the great disparity in the quality of just the operation taking place right now between the offense and the defense. The offense looks like a professional organization every week. Right. Great game plan. They come out of the gates. They're, they're, 
they've they put up 200 yards of offense in the first quarter. Um, I think it was 173 and then 205 the last two weeks in the first quarter. That shows you the level that they're game planning at, um, the level they're performing at. The execution has been fantastic. You have a freshman quarterback that's developing every single week. Um, you're, you're having, you're seeing player development, young kids like Braxton Berrios and Joe Yearby coming out there and making major contributions. I mean, it's a top to bottom professional organization on the offensive side of the football. And we can't say, nobody could say anything remotely close to that right now on the defensive side of the ball. And it's a, it's a, it's a big problem. And I just can't see Al Golden ignoring that. He's way too smart. This is a sharp guy. Okay, he's taking his lumps right now. He's going through tough, tough times. I'm sure he's exhausted. I'm sure he's demoralized when he walks out into the stadium and there's a plane flying overhead with his name on it saying, save the you fire him when he's when he's put so much time and effort in the last few years to try to fix the problems that he has. Um, But he is way too smart to not see this great disparity in his program. And I will be shocked if there's not changes. Beautiful, man. Well, you know what? That's promising. You know, hopefully, hopefully we get the right players and get the right crew and and go back to the old uh, Miami defense, man. We need to get more aggressive. I'm so well, tired I'm, of watching yeah, teams crap, I man. I don't know yeah. if I would go so far as to call it promising because, um, you know, I'm not sure I have a vote in the situation. I'm just giving you my opinion. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's, in, it's encouraging at least, you know, because your opinion counts. <laughs> Well, happy to happy to make your evening. <laughs> hey, thanks for being part of <laughs> All right, thanks man. for being part one. of the show. Yeah, give us a call again next right, time. Can you keep me on hold, please? Thanks, man. You got it. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go now to the seven oh six where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey Gary, how you doing? This is Sebastian from Columbus, Georgia. How are you this evening? Hey, what's going on, man? How are things in Columbus? Oh, pretty good. It's really a lot of rain over in this area right here, but other than that, you know, all's well on this end. Uh, great show tonight. Really, really uh, enjoyed the conversation with Blake James. I didn't know that story about Jimmy Johnson. Just you know, just at wit's end. I didn't. I never. I mean, because he's just the ultimate zoo of confidence. I didn't know he had like a really, really down moment. You know, second guess. Not second guessing, but just he kind was, of reevaluating. At, as down as I've as down as I've ever seen a grown man. Seriously. I mean, he was demoralized. And, you know, um, we're sitting there with, uh, you know, one or two other people and had a few Heinekens in front of him. And, and, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, he he was, I mean, he was crying. I mean, he just couldn't believe how bad of a situation he felt he had within his program. But, he you know, he gathered himself. He went. He made many moves that year. And, and, and changed the things that he felt he needed to change and, and got things the way he wanted them. And, and, and he was the type of CEO that I can envision Al Golden evolving into. And, um, you know, you know, you know, you know, and Gary, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel the exact same way. Sometimes you measure somebody by how well they handle adversity and see how well they're going to do. And uh, I don't want to get too long-winded, but I can, I can really, really end up seeing that. I wanted to, uh, but I just, I just really appreciate that story. I mean, it was just, it was just great just to hear that, and also the insight on Stacy Coley because I can see physically something was different from him. But uh, one of the things I would stop doing is I stop having him being kickoff and punt returns. I would let him use his strength and his energy more in the passing game. I think we have some other oh. players 
that can compensate us in that area. I don't know your thoughts on that, but I think well, it's really the other way around. It's it's the other kids are playing better at receiver right now. They're playing the best guys. You know, Malcolm Lewis, Herb Waters, Braxton Berrios, Philip Dorsett. Those are the four guys getting most of the reps, and yeah, Herb, really Herb looks good. Yeah, and it's really kind of the opposite. They're they're using Stacy Coley as a return guy to keep him engaged and involved in the game. They're throwing him a bubble. They throw him a bubble screen every now and then. They flip him the ball um, and let him run with it um, from time to time. They're trying to keep him engaged because those other kids right now just have a little bit more explosion and are doing a better job of getting open. And and they're not playing favorites. Yeah, I understand that. I want to make two points because I know that you want to get a lot of people on there. The first point I wanted to make is you were dead on as far as the development on the offensive side of the ball. I can definitely see how they're really, really just sound and proficient, organized, and very detail-oriented. You know, I'm sold on Brad Kai. I told you that's our next Peyton Manning. He's only a true freshman. He's only going to get better. After a while, he's going to stop looking at the sideline. The game is going to start slowing down for him. He's going to start being able to exploit matchups. I just hope that he can stay healthy, the offensive line, the last two weeks, we got to say it's played pretty decently, and that says something, you know, just from the overall holistic uh, uh, offensive side of the ball, how the way that they've been producing. But the two, the point I wanted to make is I think this this off week and going into Virginia Tech is a very, very critical tenure in Al Golden's professional career, and I'm going to tell you why. They're going to come after Brad Kaya. I know that for a fact. I know how Virginia Tech played. It's going to be man-to-man. They're going to be coming after him every single play. And for us to beat Virginia Tech, we're going to have to protect the football. We're going to have to protect Brad Kaya. And we're going to have to be smart in the way we attack them offensively. And we can't let our defense give the game away. What are your thoughts on that? I think you got to play a solid game in, in every area in Blacksburg. You, you can't have any phase of the game not working up there in that environment on a Thursday night. I mean, the offense is going to have to keep playing the way it's playing. The defense is going to have to have a good game plan against a more traditional offense, which they're capable of doing. And Miami's going to have to do start doing a better job at some point on special teams because Virginia Tech typically has always played well on special teams. If they can put it all together, they definitely can win in Blacksburg. Uh, I'll tell you, I, that is the game. That That's the type of game we need to win to to really give the community a sense that, you know, the ship is definitely headed in the right direction. Um, we can see that on the offensive side of the ball, but, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, I think it's a given we're going to kind of see some changes. But if, if what I would want to hear from you tonight, and then I, I'll end my call off with that because I can talk about recruiting. I don't want to do that, is what is the type of, defensive coach or defensive philosophy, we have to kind of get or inherit to be considered on the national level. In other words, to be relevant again. And and if you can kind of speak to that, I'll just end the call and I'll just call in on next week because I want to give some other people an opportunity on there. I'm frustrated about this linebacker. I think that's going to commit to Notre Dame from Palm Beach. But anyway, um, could you but talk you about know, what kind of – go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Now, will you going to ask me a question? What you want me to talk about? Say it again. I want to. I want you to talk about from a defensive philosophy. What is the type of defense or defense coach we need to have on our side of the ball for Miami to be relevant again? Because it seems like the offense at least would kind of keep us, but we can kind of, you know, we can compete in the game. 
But if we're blowing it on the defensive side, that's not going to help us. But if you could just speak to the type of defensive coach, defensive philosophy, defensive scheme that we need to have for us to be relevant again I, and the upper echelon of football. And then I'm not going to just comment on, on the scheme. I'm not, okay, I'm not going to comment on the scheme part because, you know, any good defense runs multiple schemes. Um, but what I think they need is I think they need to go find a veteran defensive coach, a guy that's been around for a while, who has seen it all, has an enormous amount of experience, who can walk in from day one and stabilize that side of the organization. And, you know, you have a head coach who has a situation right now where he has to win now. And you just don't have, to me, you don't have time to gamble. You know, you really yeah, don't. You, you don't you don't have time yeah. for a young coach who's up and coming, who might work out, who might not. You don't have time for that. You need a proven guy. And Randy Shannon was in this situation too. And he went out and made that move. And he brought in Bill Young. That, yeah, that, I remember that. And, and Bill yeah, Young would have, if Bill Young had stayed at Miami, Randy Shannon oh probably God. would still probably would still be the head coach today because that was yep. exactly what I'm talking about. And that was exactly the same set of circumstances that existed then exist now. And that was what Randy Shannon needed at that point in time, a veteran that he could count on. So he didn't have to go try to take the defense himself and be head coach. Cause that's asking a lot. And you know, that's what, in my opinion, what Al Golden needs now, he needs a guy that can come in there that has a proven track record. Um, and, and, who can just bring that stability to that side and maybe bring in a couple other guys with him to to help him. And and then this program could really rocket ship upwards very, very quickly because you have a quarterback to build around. you got skill athletes. you got more on the way in all those receiver recruits that are committed into the program. you got running backs coming in, kids like Jordan Scarlett, Dexter Williams, Mark Walton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Yearby for two, three more years. Um, you've got Gus Edwards for two more years. You've got a lot of football players on the offensive side of the ball. So if you could find somebody that could just stabilize the defense and, and, and get that side straightened out as quickly as possible, this program can skyrocket very quickly, very much in the way that you see like the Mississippi schools emerging this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, but last question, then you just keep me on hold. Is Akadem Muhammad, do you still see him coming back? And are there any defensive – Playmakers you see coming into the program that can kind of help us out, and if you could just keep me on hold. Well, I not really right now. I think um, I think Chad Thomas uh, can develop into that type of player. I think if you're looking at next year, you got Chad Thomas and Muhammad as potential bookend defensive ends. I think that's something without question to look forward to. Um, they got to get these defensive tackles better. Michael Weiss or Hurdleu, um, those kids have, have got to take the next step for them to be um, better on defense next year they're gonna to have to find a couple linebackers i know they have huge hopes for that claude george kid coming in from juco who's committed um i think they need to find one or two more linebackers that can make an impact next season um i think they're gonna to have to maybe try to find a juco safety i think they're looking in in that area as, as well so um they, they still have some moves to make on defense but um i i think there potentially could be some things to look forward to next year all righty I appreciate it, Gary. Just keep me on hold. Great show, man. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of it. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Let's go now to the 305, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Good. How you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Kane 911. All righty. Give us the 911. What you got tonight? Well, it may be not the 
you know, some folks may not like what I'm going to say. And, um, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions, and here's mine. Um, I've <clears throat> been a huge Kane fan since the 80s. Um, gives to the institution, love the institution. And this is not a one-coach problem. This is not a one-month problem. This is not a one-season problem. This is a 12-year problem. And fans, um, although they're quieted tonight, I admit, and even I'm, I'm not jumping off the, you know, jumping off the roof right now. But let Vatek completely ass whoop this team, and it's going to be the same cycle all over again. And it's been a cycle that's been here with the, this Hurricane team that we love for more than a decade. And Blake James did nothing to to address that. This is not just Al Golden's problem. This is an administration level problem. What are your thoughts? I don't agree. You know, I mean, the the administration level, you you start with Blake James. He's been the AD for two years. Everything that's in place right now, he's inherited. Um, it's, you know, and I think he's evaluating and managing it. And, and I think that he sees all the positives in Al Golden. And he's not in a hurry to, to run and fire his head football coach. Um, you know, he's hoping to work with his head football coach to make things better. I think they all... <laughs> I think they all understand that this, there's not unlimited time here. This is year four of a tenure. Um, it's going to be going into year five, you know, shortly. And it's it's it, they have to win. And and I I think they understand that. Well, I think they do understand that, but they understand it. I think where Blake is coming from. I mean, I think mostly he's coming from just a PR perspective, right? What what else is he going to say? In other words, right? Well, but, he's a lot, he, he, he I mean, you have to give him some credit. I mean, he might be, be just be what, what everybody out here might be calling PR might really be the way he sees the situation, which is the, what I think. I think he was very mm-hmm. honest. I don't think he's sitting well, there I, snickering. I agree. Under, I mean, I don't, I don't think, think let me, wait, let me just say I don't think he's sitting there snickering under his breath saying, "Ah, I'm fooling these dudes." I'm firing no, out I, I, in 60 days. No, I don't think that that's the case. No, I don't think that's the case either, and I think you love the institution. But it's at the end of the day, it's a matter of performance, right? You know, since the moment Donna Shalala has gone on this campus, I mean, facts are facts, guys. She's great for academics. She's great at raising money. But why in the heck can't she strike the balance, and why is this team dying? Because, frankly, there is no team. There is no brand. Uh, just to continue for a moment, it, it, it's dying because um, they, wait, wait, they, they wait, haven't been wait, able wait. to. You want to know why it's been dying? <clears throat> I'll tell you why it's been Don't dying. Don't say the fans. Don't no, say it's, it's fans. because in, in the past eleven years they have not been able to put the entire package together in terms of the coaching staff. That's why. Well, that's, but that's an administration when, problem. When, they, when, they, when, when, when the head football right? coach of Miami gets his coaching staff right. Miami competes for national championships because right, the player, that, the player but, pool but Gary, is there. You, you, I'm not trying to interrupt you. I know we have a short uh, amount of time here, um, but that is an administration. I mean, just just according to their yeah, but, structure, but no, 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 their sign off at the presidential and, level. And I, and I don't mean to I don't mean to interrupt you either. But but you know I just want to comment on what you're saying. It's not the administration. You know. Howard Schnellenberger was was at Miami for five years. Okay, midway through his tenure, um, he made changes in his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator. Okay, Jimmy Johnson was at Miami five years and did the Mm -hmm. same thing. Changed changed his coordinators in midstream. 
Okay. Well, not his offense coordinator. He changed his defensive coordinator in midstream. Oh, uh, okay. no, I get that. Um, and I totally agree with what you're saying. You're saying that there's a delegative approach to management. I understand that. But that's not what I'm speaking on. What I'm speaking on is the greater decade-long problem that we have in Coral Gables. And I'm telling you, it's going to start coming to a head at the end of the season. Unless, uh, you know, dear old Al, and we want him to win, unless he pulls out a miracle, dude, it is going to be like dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, okay? Because they this finished is- with eight or nine wins. They finished with eight or nine wins, and he makes a few coaching changes, and you're sitting here in December, and he's got the support of everybody again. I think so. Right? If he wins, if he wins out and he makes changes, people are going to like him because they like him already. But if he doesn't, and the the look, I'm not a magician here, but the probability is he doesn't. Okay. Well, if he and doesn't, he he's putting on. himself in jeopardy. No question. Yeah. He's the, the whole point is though that it's not about. I'm not trying to debate on the the matter of delegative style or anything like that. That's great. I agree with that. The matter is that this is not just a year-long problem, man. This is more than a decade now, more than a decade. And that speaks to administration. That speaks to the president, okay? And that balance must be struck with a new president. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Well, let's see who the new president is, and then we'll discuss that subject. All right, Gary, thank you. All right. Thanks for being right. part of the show. Give, give us a call again next week. Thanks, man. Good job. Bye. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight is the number. Let's go now to the uh, seven thirty two, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hi, Gary Kent from Ocean Township, New Jersey. What's up, Kent? How, are How you, you doing? doing? Doing great. I How am you doing just fine. Um, the interview with Blake uh, I game. I cringed at some of the questions you asked him. If if Nick Davin would they ask those questions, you would have had a loud click within two seconds. And I <laughs> like thought, what? Uh, what did you like? <laughs> am hey, I were, right? Hey, you guys made the Hey, I was just the messenger of the people, McKenna. I mean, the, the questions came from you guys. <laughs> yeah, but I'm listening, and I'm, I am chuckling. And this guy, to me, he's a baby compared to me, and I get the feeling he is not going to be one of the fly-by-night previous two ADs who just – we're here for a cup of coffee and then got the hell out of here. No, Blake's uh, not looking to go anywhere. Blake's hoping to be here for 20 years. I hope so. I won't be around for 20 years, but hopefully he will. Uh, he might. The, the other thing, a couple of other things. I couldn't believe the amount of dirty laundry that was thrown around in the stadium the other day. I couldn't get the laundry in my washing machine fast enough to keep up with those guys. And a couple of issues on the defense and a quick comment on the offense. The, uh, without a doubt, there's a reason why all these uh, freshmen are, are in the lineup. And I think Golden recognized he did not have the personnel that could fit in. So some of these guys, even though they weren't redshirted, are getting ex- experience that will be helpful. Um, but in the long run, I, I have very little doubt in my mind that there will be coaching changes next year. There has to be. It's not change for change fake, but it's changed because it's necessary. Uh, two quick things on the offense. I cannot believe how good this Joseph will be in. I, it just amazes me how he gets, op- he gets on the open and he has the ability to catch passes. And I've seen this kid, Cook, who is his teammate, has already got himself in trouble at FSU. Yeah. 
And finally, yeah, I, you, I didn't mean to interrupt no, I you. Say, I say a lot of people predicted, predicted that would happen. And, and the amazing thing about the quality of the running back play is both those kids are running around with screws in their ankle. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And then finally, the receiving core and the recruit of, of the RBs coming in, this receiving core is absolutely scary. we got guys on the, that are red-shirted that are going to take over for guys like uh, Dorsett. We're not, we're not really losing anything. We're going to have guys that can replace. Uh, and Jujoku, the kid from New Jersey, you're going to see a show whether he ends up being a wide receiver or a tight end is, you know, still to be determined because he's big enough. But I can see him being another Jimmy Graham on the, uh, in the end yeah, zone he, because this kid and, is a seven-foot high jumper. And don't forget about okay, Chris so, Herndon. Chris, Chris Herndon is also doing exceptionally well. He's going right, to be a very good. Uh, ball, he's going to be a good ball player. Oh yes, and I like I said, you better hope that we Coley remains as the offensive uh, coordinator next year because I think he's going to be a hot commodity. So um, we'll see. He's not hurting himself. He's doing very well. Yeah, thank you again for your time, and uh, and thanks for having Blake James because I found him very re- very refreshing, and I. And I believe he was also straight forward. He was. Okay, okay thank Ken. you. Hey, thanks for Bye-bye. being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right, I'll, I'll... All right let's go out now to the 702, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hello? Hello? You with us? Yeah, All right, you're gonna... All right, go ahead. Who's this? My name's Anthony. I'm a first-time caller. Hey, welcome to the show, Anthony. What you got tonight? Well, I listen to you guys all the time. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration on my end. Um, but I just wanted to talk about some things. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, with with the team this year is, you know, it's not all on these coaches. You know, these coordinators and the head coach, they have, they have their scheme, they have their philosophies. They coach the coaches on how they want the players to play. So it's not on all these countries. These countries are in the film room, and they're going over what the other team's going to try to do. And these guys know football. They know what they're looking at. You know, you know the defensive line coach, he's probably outdated on his, uh, you know, pass rush techniques and stuff like that. But I have seen a difference since they brought in the uh, assistant. Um, he's an ex-player. He's been working with the D-line. He got his name, Kareem Brown. Kareem Brown, yep. Yeah, yeah. He's been working with, you know, these guys are doing a little bit better there. But, uh, you know, it's not on these coaches. It's not on the uh, the assistants. The assistants are going to do what the, the coordinators and the head coach want. And I'm talking specifically about the defense. Now, um, one thing with Golden I noticed about Golden and, and, you know, excuse me, I got a lot of stuff on my mind, but one thing with Golden is uh, I noticed, you know, he doesn't really get on his coaches. You know, he doesn't, like, demand, like, like Nick Saban. You'll see a Nick Saban. He's got that new offensive coordinator there, and, you know, that guy's looking over his shoulder, and he's going to try to get approval from Nick Saban on what he's doing. This guy has been a head football coach at all levels. So not on game day, he doesn't. He, he, you're right. He, you will not see Al Golden um, going yeah, after one of his coaches on game day. At least you haven't seen it yet. And this is year four. No, no, you haven't. That doesn't mean he doesn't do I mean, it during the week behind closed doors now. 
I don't think he does that. I think that's his personality. From from what I've heard, he's a pretty demanding boss. Uh, I've heard he's a pretty demanding boss. I feel more like a pushover, you know, not really No, I don't know that that's true. I think he's pretty demanding of those guys during the week. Okay. I mean, it's just my impression of what I see. I mean, the guys are nice guys. You don't get to see that part of it. I understand. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, with the, you know, I was at the Louisville game. I live in Orlando. I have a 702 area code because I used to live in Vegas. Man, um, man, how do you prepare for all that time and come out there and play like that? I mean, it's just like, you know, I brought my family. We tailgate. I spent lots of money. I mean, as a fan, you know, you go to something like that, you're, like, disgusted. I was disgusted with myself because I was getting so angry when I was seeing out there after having such a great time before the game. And then, you know, going into the game, I was all excited about being with my wife for the first time. It's the first time she's come out to a game with me, and I had all my best buddies and their wives. And you go and just, they, they do that. You know, they come out there flat. You know, they, they don't look like they're ready to play, you know. It's, you know. Hey, there's, there's that some things. There's some things you just can't explain, kind of like moving from Vegas to Orlando. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I feel your pain because I, I actually was walking around downtown Louisville after the game and uh, looking for something to eat. And, man, uh, there were a lot of really depressed Canes fans. And, they were, you know, it was the first game of the year. There were such high hopes. And, you know, everywhere well, you I'm, went. I'm talking about the, the bowl game here in Orlando. That's the game I went to. Oh, oh, oh that one. Yeah, well, that yeah. was worse. That was, that was horrible. I was, like, I was like, man, am I like watching, you know, am I watching like V, you know, against like Alabama? Is It looked like that. And I know that talent that they have. They have, Miami defense has has some talent, especially in the secondary. You know, Bush, he was all world in high school. The kid was a stud. Yeah, they're just you know, not doing have, a good enough job putting it all together. They, you know, they, yeah, but they, these they, kids they, are not going to run around with their hands cut off because they're confused. Yes, you know, they you are. Know what they're doing? You know what they're doing all the time? Perfect example. Last year against Wake Forest, when we played Wake Forest, Wake Forest likes to have those deep, those uh, those splits, those wide splits. And we, instead of, like, winning our defense, you know, we addressed to their splits. And they, they were with us. And then that some Wake Forest team goes and plays against Florida State. And yes, I'm sure Florida State made a couple of records, but they attacked that. And they destroyed Wake Forest. And you know what? Just this time, we have the same amount of athletes as Florida State. I mean, these these kids all play together. No, you, you don't. Know? No, you don't. Well, you know, we don't got the they, high they've end done a better guys like Florida State. They've done a better job. Well, the last couple of years, the last three years, they've done a better job at getting the higher-end guys because, you know, they they haven't been under what we've been under with uh, the cloud and um, those type of things. But, I mean, I read an interview of uh, Tommy Tummerville after the Cincinnati game. He was talking about, you know, when he was at Miami and, you know, going through what they went through when they were under probation. He was talking about Alabama how – you know, they were down for six or seven years when they went. The fans need to understand that, you know, we took a big hit, you know. We had teams from all over native recruiting against us and taking kids right out of our backyard. 
you know, just saying all kinds of craziness to these kids. And these kids are very impressionable. You know, they're, they're young. They don't listen to these coaches because they look up to them. They see them as adults, and they don't listen to these coaches. And, uh, you know, and then you got you know, the people in the neighborhood. You know, they don't go to Miami. Miami's not good right now. They might be under, you know, they might have changes. And, and you throw these kids' heads up, and then we lose our best talent to, like, things like LSU and Alabama and all these out-of-state teams, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, you got anything else for tonight? No, that's it, man. It was good talking to you, guys. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show, and give us a call again next week. Okay. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight is the number. Um, had some good things to say for his first time call. I, I still don't know if you're living in Vegas why you would move to Orlando, but uh, you know, I guess that's a topic that we can uh, try to figure out on another night. Let's go out now to the eight forty five, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm Gary. How you doing, Greg? Doing, doing good. What's your name, Greg? Yes. Yeah. How you um, doing tonight? I just what you, what you got? I got a couple questions. Um, if you were a recruit, would you go to the University of Miami and play in front of 10,000 people or go to Florida State or Florida where it's, there's an atmosphere that's amazing every game? I mean, don't, well, don't I w- you I realize that's why we're not getting top recruits? No, we're I don't think so. I would say fortunately – Fortunately for the University of Miami, it's not like that every game. <laughs> um, I, I think that was a little well, bit of an aberration the other day. I think you, you know you have a combination coming off a loss, fan base is angry and disgusted. A lot of people stayed home. Twelve o'clock game. A lot of people stayed home for that reason. Um, I'm not sure about those numbers that Blake James threw out on students because, to my eye, there were not three thousand students there. But you know you need there to be even more than that. More than that, obviously, in that student section where they're carving out such a large area of the stadium. Um, people just didn't come out. You know, the, the okay. people, people were in a disgusting I, I was, frame of mind, and there's no excuse for it. And is it, yes, it's damaging to the program. Um, and yes, it will be used against them in recruiting. You could bet the ranch that every recruit that Miami's going after right now had a picture of that stadium on Saturday sent to their email or Twitter or wherever, you know, um, wherever they get communicated with. And um, it's it's now another hurdle that has to be overcome. But um, at the end of the day, um, I, I think that the kids that want to go to Miami will understand the, the big picture of why that happened. That's always been the case all through history. Um, and the ones that really want to be at Miami will still be at Miami. Well, I, I went. To, I came down for the Florida game last year, and there were tons of Gator fans at that game. Tons all around me. And Listen, for, I'm coming for, for, down for Florida State this year. I'm sure that's going to be the case, also. Yeah, you'll have you'll you'll have fifty thousand Miami fans there, and fifteen twenty thousand Florida State fans. That's uh, the way I just it wanted is. To, okay, we're going up to play uh, at Blacksburg next Thursday. Do you think? The quality of the athletes is even close between these two teams. I think if Frank Beamer coached Miami the last three years, they would have won a hell of a lot more games than Al Golden is winning. I he haven't seen make, enough He has a great defensive coach. You, you know, his coach is Bud Foster is tremendous. Yep. 
He gets, and he and I have all five-star recruits. No. But I haven't seen enough of that team to really comment on, on what you're saying. I don't really have an opinion in, on, in that but regard. But they beat us last year. They're not, they're not, they weren't near. Who has uh, Al Golden beaten in four years? What What is his signature victory? Could well, you, there isn't there's, there isn't there one. There hasn't been that, one. And, the uh, I mean, Florida, State, right, Florida when they were down. The closest was Florida, and they ended up not being a very good team. So, okay, you know, that's Florida what he, was I, good at the beginning I, of the year. They had a lot of injuries last year. Yep. Well, that's but what he's lacking right now. That's big victory. And they yep. needed about five turnovers to win that game. Yeah, so, there's I no mean, question. I, that's, what he's, that, that's what he's lacking right now. I don't know if a win Thursday night would be – would classify as a signature victory. He has victory. to beat Florida State, but and everyone will Florida. shut up. Everyone will shut up. He, he need, they need to win the Florida State game. I totally agree with you. All right, any other points you want to make tonight? No, thanks for the time. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Fine. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 484, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Hey, it's Philly. What's up, Philly? How you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Heard, got the chance to hear the uh, Blake James interview. Thought he made some good points. Um, one thing he said, I'm not even bring too much into it. I think you asked him the question about, like, was he a 100% golden guy or 100% all golden guy or something like that. And he kind of, like, he kind of said, well, I'm behind the, our football coach, our basketball coach, our soccer coach. So he really didn't really say that I'm behind, like, Al Gold. He kind of said I'm behind the coach. Well, he is, is. He's he's behind Al Golden. I, I can. Well, I, know he, I, I know he came out and said. I know he came out said that earlier in the week in another interview. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. I think, um, like everybody thing, else, he recognizes that Al Golden's got some problems he has to fix. But he's going to give him a chance to fix them, which he should do. Yeah. I mean, you don't fire Al Golden. Uh, but, but, sure. but 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 the, the thing and the, and the thing about it is, I think the the, the Nick Shapiro thing kind of you know. I don't know, man. It, it, it basically bought him an extra year because it's like because it's kind of like how can you how can you not you know not get an extra year? How can you fire him when he had all to deal with and then he stuck with you? I mean, to me, I'm thinking I'm thinking once again we're going to be a year too late if we were with Larry Coker and with Randy Shanahan. But I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Um, well, but I mean, a lot of people but, would argue that you were a year too early. To be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, you could you could but, make the case, man. I'm telling you, you think I'm you'll think I'm crazy, but I think had they not blown up Larry Coker's coaching staff and just let, left it alone and, and given them a chance to get their act straightened out, they won nine games that year. And Paul D and Pete Garcia, well, Pete Garcia talked Paul D into it. They blew up the coaching staff. And this program has not been the same since. And and I think had they left those guys alone and, and given them a chance to work it out, that there's a chance that Miami would be much better off today than it is. And uh, you know, you know, well, Randy yeah, Shant had 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 some other issues and stuff that were impeding his ability as a as a head coach. Um, but if had he not been fired, he also was going to make some staff changes that he felt was going to fix well, his problem. And well, they, you know they might have been. You would have. You would have recruited Teddy Bridgewater. All those kids playing yeah. for Louisville would have been Miami Hurricanes. You would have a whole different look the last few years. And there's no telling what would have happened then either. So you know, well, you well, just can't. 
I would say this. I, I would go back even further and say, like, even with – I would go back further than Coker and say pretty much, like, the problems have really been when Butch screwed us and left. Because if he had left earlier, then we would have the opportunity to got Greg Schiano or Mark Rick. But he left late, and those guys already committed to their job in December before we played the, the Gators. Yeah, so, but you I mean, yeah, played I, a I, national championship game the next two years. So I would say, you know, there's a further than that. Yeah, but you played in the national title game the next two years. How can you say that hiring Larry Coker was the wrong move? Well, I mean, look at what happened. Well, they yeah, they they, they lost nine games and everybody panicked. You'll take nine win seasons every day of the. I mean, how many nine wins? Well, seasons now, well, I mean now, I mean definitely, like, definitely not because the standard at Miami has changed. So I mean, well, in, in, how in, many, in, in how the many coastal years? division that sucks? I'll take nine wins because I mean that's pretty much. That'll guarantee us the championship championship game. Yeah, but, but but that's only happened once, right? Since then, Randy well, won nine, what, nine wins, right? Yeah, yeah, we won. Yeah, we won nine games in two thousand and um, and and, once, and, right? and nine. Yeah, two thousand nine years, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, there you know, there there you go. But I don't know. My my point. But I'll, I'll get back to my point. My point is this. Um, I don't know, man. I think, you know, some coaches just have the it factor and some don't. And, and I'll, I'll give you a point. I've seen it. You know, being, in, being from Philly, we've had Andy Reid for like 12 years. Andy Reid is was just like Golden. I mean, he was a great guy. The players loved him. But every time we had a big game, he got out-coached all yeah. the time. By the way, we, we got to count last year – we got to count last year too. So there, there's been two nine win seasons in the last ten years. Okay, but like and, I said, every, and, and every they year, imploded the coaching staff for, for winning nine games that year. What are we talking about? with uh, Randy's team with, with Poker? Oh, with Poker's team. Yeah, no, I didn't. But see, I, but see, I didn't agree with that. I didn't agree with that. You know, I thought I thought that was I thought that was dumb. If anything, he should have done what Jimmy did and got maybe got rid of like you know. Um, some guys earlier that he may not have agreed with. But to, but Coker failed because he's such a nice guy and he let the players run the asylum and recruit himself under him. That's what happened. Once once the seniors and the classmen left, that's when the program turned turned to trash because Coker was babying the recruits and babying, babying the players and letting them run the asylum. He would he wouldn't let Don Salinger get on Tyrone Moss for getting all big and fat or even Devin Hester and make him learn a position. He'll say, let me, let me, let me handle it. Let me handle, let me handle him. No, let Don be the position coach and stop babying these guys. So I mean, let's, let's be clear. Coker, even though we may have played in two championships, that was a result of, of seasoned players and professors that knew how to win. Okay, just, just like when Barry Switzer took over Dallas Cowboys. It was, it was the same thing. It was seasoned players that knew how to win. Let's not say that Coker took over a program and he like, led them to two championship games. No. It was too. He basically just kept everything the way it was, and then when we got to see his actual results, it all turned to mess. So let's be clear. Let's not let's not make like Kobe like more than he is. Now, my, now my, my original point is is you you have a coach who you know I don't think really has the it factor, you know, and I mean you can see it with the Eagles. We have Chip Kelly now and Andy Reid. Chip Kelly, you can see what he's doing with our quarterback, who's Garvis Nick Foles, but. We're still competing in the NFC East and looking at a good team, even though he's had all the pieces in place. Because he's he's a it factor. He doesn't have all his players that's they're still coming in and still developing. Andy Reid, nice guy, but he he was he was stubborn. He believed in what he was doing. He believed in his in, in his scheme, 
to to a fault. Now basically it's his downfall. It's his downfall in Kansas City, and that's why they're not, not going to win no championship there. And it's the same thing with Al Golden. Look at okay, for example, Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin coming off that loss to I think it was Ole Miss. He he went in and he said, you know what? We have to look at our scheme. We have to look at how we're coaching it and how, and how we're developing our players in it. This is a guy who took who took Houston and Keenan and Keenan um and Casey Keenan to the BCS game. Okay, he took he came into uh, Texas A&M and made them relevant in the SEC West. Okay, and made Manziel a first round quarterback, and he has a new sophomore quarterback setting records. And he and he came on in the media and said, you know what, I have to look at the scheme that made me successful. I have to look at that and make sure that we're coaching it, we're coaching it the way we should be, and we have to make changes when we have to. Golden in year four can't even admit there's a problem with his defensive scheme. He's a defensive guy. Well, I, I think they don't believe there is a problem with their scheme. It, it's not a matter <laughs> of admitting. I, you know, I, I think that they believe in their scheme, and, and for, I think they're having a hard time get, getting it to show up on game day. And, and my personal opinion that the reason for that you know, is that the coaching top to bottom on that side of the ball is not good enough. The commitment by the players isn't good enough. They're trying to play too many guys. They they can't get 22 players ready for a game. And the whole thing's breaking down. But they do believe in their scheme. There's no question about that. I mean, and that's the thing. It's being stubborn to a fault. I mean, because you, you well, see it. If something's it, not it, working, not you got to try something different, right? It's, it's, it's not just on defense, Gary, but it's on offense, too, because you see it with the kind of substitution. You see it where they're bringing – they're putting guys like Ty Brady and um, the, the caller who mentioned earlier, the other receiver, the, um, for no reason. When you, you can go with Dorsett, Malcolm Lewis, and um, Herb Waters and let Kayak develop into an even better rhythm, we just go with those three well, for the nah, first, they're, first they're half or whatever. Six. They're playing six receivers. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, they're rotating the receivers. You always rotate. But they're pretty much staying with five guys on the offensive line every game. You know, to me, that's an important thing that they're doing it. Um, you know, running backs, they're rotating a couple guys. But the the offense is fine. There aren't any issues to me on the offensive side of the ball. It's not, there's, no, there's no offense. There's no problems with offense. Check third down percentage. I, I don't yeah. think so. I don't see any. I mean, they got to they got to tighten up third down that, a little bit. But, but and, I think that, that, and, and that's where the problem that's where that's where the problem comes in. When you substitute yeah, they, too much, you're bringing in yeah, guys they, that the quarterback maybe are familiar with it, where, where they're at doesn't have a rhythm with them. Like like Herb Waters will make a big play on first they're down. They're averaging ten yards a play, man. Do you know how good that is? <laughs> okay, I mean, and that, that's, that's, and I that's mean we can sit you, you can sit here and nitpick. You can sit here and nitpick if you want. But I mean, they're averaging ten yards a play the last game, and they averaged eight point three the game before that. I mean, that, that that's incredible but, offense. Okay, and that's the thing, Gary. It's like that's the way the offense should be. But when you're still struggling on third down, the problem there's a there's a problem there. It's not just nitpicking. That's a philosophy problem, and I'm putting well, out there's a problem on offense and defense with a constant I, subbing. The constant and the constant subbing and playing guys that shouldn't be playing. Why? Why that's, are the plays that, working that, so that, well? That, that's, a, that, that's a stubborn philosophy. I don't know. The same plays are working great on first and second down that aren't working great on third down. I think it's a fluke. 
Um, I think there's a couple things they can do differently and maybe a little bit better that, that are part of getting better each week. But for the most part, um, I, I think that it, it's, a, it's a fluke circumstance that their stats are so bad on third down. And, and I think that anything that you criticize right now on offense is nitpicking because they're playing at a very high level. All right, you got anything else for this week? Uh, no, that's it, man. Just keep me on hold. You got it, man. Hey, give us a call again next Tuesday. All right, let's go out now to the 786. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, this is D-Mill. All right, D-Mill, what you got for us? I got to go in on you tonight, Gary. I got to go in on you tonight about, first of all. Bring it. First of of all, you told us in the beginning of of the year, and I tried calling when this topic was hot, but I could never get through that you thought Brad Kaya shouldn't be the starting quarterback. You were you were adamant opening about night. Jake Keeps. Opening, hold on, I hold on, opening, hold on, hold on. Opening night, hold on. just be accurate. No, no, no. You, but basically, I don't I didn't I don't stay for the whole said, year. Opening I said opening night. You said you didn't think Kaya was ready. And then when Hallis Schellenberger, hold, hold on, when Schellenberger wrote that article about whether he thought a freshman should have started or not, you totally misinterpreted that that, that, that letter. And you were, you thought Stellenberger was saying what you were saying. What Stellenberger was saying that I got from the letter was totally opposite of what you got from it. Stellenberger was well, you're saying mis- you're misreading. He, you're okay, misreading. well let me say this. Let me say yeah, it. I, being I, I, I interpreted I interpreted that Stellenberger said if you have a team full of studs, the best time to play a freshman quarterback. Is when you have is when you have a team full of stuff because you don't have to ask the quarterback to win the game for you. That's what I got from it, and I think he was right. I think Golden was totally right. I think uh, James Coley was totally right in starting Brad Kaya. Second thing wait, is Gary. Wait a minute, Gary. Go ahead. Go ahead. How could you say they were right? They lost the game, right? Okay, yeah, but they were going to lose the game with their needs. Did the offense that night look even like remotely close to what the offense were, looked like last? The last few weeks, and, guess, but and now you're game, now, now you're, if, six, you're six weeks later. You don't know mean practices Brad Kaya has had from then until now. I and in, in game two, Brad Kaya, I knew he was a quarterback. Correct. Game two, I knew Brad Kaya was the right quarterback. Okay, uh, and if he had played in game one, it would have been the same result. Okay, but, but it, here's it what would have been the same. It would have been the same result, and we just don't know that. Back even further. You don't know that it would have been the same result. Would, here's what I was. You, here's what I was saying. Let me tell you what I was saying, and I'll keep it tight. I was saying that I did not think that a freshman quarterback, after four weeks of training camp, was going to be prepared to go up into that environment on that night against that team with that defense, good as it is, and have any chance of winning. And I was a hundred percent. And I was 100% and I, correct. And you saw, wait a minute, email one second, percent correct. You saw the way the coaches had to call that game offensively. That was not I, the, I, the offense that you're seeing out there now in the middle of the season. It wasn't even close. I, they had to call I it, agree with that. They had to call it close to the vest. They had to protect Brad Kaya. And at the end of the day, against that defense, it was a miscalculation, and they didn't have enough offense to win that ball game. So I was right. No, the miss, the miss, no you were wrong because the miscalculation no, was not I was playing. 100% Let, hold on. I'm going I'm, I'm to explain it to you. The miscalculation was Al Golden putting the handcuffs on Coley and not letting Kaya play. 
That was the mistake. The mistake was not in itself of, of starting Brad Kaya over Jay Keats. But that's what that any was coach a is going to do with a true freshman going out there that's for the That's not true. Any coach, don't, don't speak for all coaches. Any coach would not have done that. If you're going to put him out there because he's better, he better than you, – if you've seen him in four weeks of camp and he's better than everything you got in camp and you put him on the field, why the hell are you going to handcuff him? He done already proved He shows you in camp he's the best thing smoking. So you're telling me you'd rather put a, put a senior out there who's not better than the freshman through four weeks of, 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 of minicamp. You're, you're playing one of the best defenses. The country, a team that blitzes, a, that. a team that blitzes an enormous amount, and I felt that yeah. you would have a better chance to win if you had a veteran quarterback out there, a kid who had started thirty games and had seen everything there is to see as a quarterback, who would have a better chance of executing. A, that a kid larger, that started thirty games and that was twenty-three years old, oh, I was saying, through four and weeks I was, of minicamp and could not be the true freshman. So how the hell you think they're going to go put that same guy who couldn't beat the true freshman out, out on the field and then take the chains off him? They don't make I was, sense what you're saying. I wasn't saying that Jay sense. Keeps was the – I was not saying Jay Keeps was a better quarterback prospect than Brad Kaya. That's not what I was saying. I was saying okay, for that, that okay. game – for the purposes of that game, that night, in that situation, it was my opinion that they would have a better chance to win the game with the veteran quarterback as opposed to a true freshman. Now, the, the reason they didn't have a better chance at you keep missing the point, Gary. The point, the reason they didn't win, Gary. The reason they didn't win the game is not because it was a freshman. The reason they didn't win the game is because they put handcuffs on the freshman. The next week they took him because off because they didn't feel he was ready to handle more. That's it. That's and, their and, fault. And you needed to score in the thirties to win that game. You needed to score thirty the points to win that game. The next and you caller gonna to call in. Quarterback. Listen, let's agree to disagree and move on. That game was what? Okay. Month the next call, I like for you to com- I like for you to comment on that because I I because that that's the first thing. Second thing is this, Gary. If I hear you say one more time, every time we talk about the defense, you keep saying I heard you tonight bring up Miles Garrett and that we don't have any players like that. I heard you time and time again bring up we don't have any any difference makers on defense. I hear you time and time again, and and when you say it. You're, you're, it's kind of like you're lending yourself to saying that's the reason that we're not supreme. No, it's one of well, the I'm reasons. Say, wait, wait, no, no, no. I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this I first didn't say the all, only reason. Come on, represent uh, well, me uh, accurately, okay? Just be accurate. Call, that's all call, I ask. Call us that. I don't wish, hey, I don't go wishy-washy I, on you guys. I give you an opinion. No, but I don't, I, think, I don't think you realize what you're saying, Ian, because my ears I are here real good. I follow everything you say. I didn't say that that's the only reason they're struggling on defense. No, you didn't say that. You, you didn't say that's the only reason, but what I'm saying is you make it a point of emphasis so much that I don't even think it has anything to do with why we're not good on defense. defense get, you, you have to accept that they don't. It, Gary, okay, they, well, let me say this to you, Gary. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to say this to you, right? Name me one starting player on on the Michigan State defense. Name me one. Name me one year in the last five years I at Michigan not, State. Hold I on, haven't hold seen on. Michigan State play one second of football. I can't comment on that. Right. Right, hold on. Name me one year in the last five years that Michigan State has had a better recruiting class than Miami. Name me one year in the last five years that Virginia Tech has. Name me one year in the last five years that Louisville has. The point I'm making to you is it's not the players. It's never been the players. You How many have guys talent. What you don't, have what you don't understand, this, Gary, and what you don't know, understand, come on, and you're I'm not, surprised. You're just not talking reality, buddy, seriously. How, how, many defensive players did, how many defensive players did Louisville have drafted last year? Four? Gary, you no, – and, and, and I think they're going to have 
be more drafted this year? Come on, man. And you think you and you think that's because? And, and, but hold on, hold on a second. You think talented, or you think that's because the coach showcased them better? Tell me which one you think it is. Both. See, because if you think it's just, ta- it's not both. Because you see, Gary, I respect you. I respect you as a journalist. I like reading your stuff. I've been hey, a subscriber for to a long agree. time. For a long time, but I can't believe you that you've been around Kane's football that long that you cannot, you don't understand that when you have coaches that handcuff players and don't put them in schemes, they make them look like ladies out there. When you don't have coaches to put players in schemes to excel, it will make a hundred percent difference, man. I'm not, Trust email, me. I'm not disputing. Now you're making a whole different statement. Now I'm and not going to argue. And this is the last. And this is the last I'm thing just, I'm going to say. I was to you. talking to somebody from the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Okay, they told me what they did with Luther Robinson. Okay, they they changed his technique, they changed his stance. He was a whole different player. He's on a National Football League roster now. My, okay, my, my point exactly. What you're saying and, and has then, legitimacy on that point. Okay, it's, but now it's now the you're whole thinking. Crux of everything. I mean, I'll, I'll agree no, with you on that one. It's the whole crux of everything. But when you but what you don't understand is if Luther Robinson right is now on a fo- on a football team in the NFL, he's making it, right? I heard you say last week, oh, he's just a player. Or it was Luther Robinson. You're talking about a kid that never even started at the University of Miami that made an NFL squad. And for you to and for you to belittle that last week and say, oh, he's just a guy. He's on a he squad. Was at Good Miami, he was just a guy. Now, you could, if he, you want to make sure. He was just a guy because they handcuffed that him. That he wasn't coached properly and he wasn't used properly. In that case, I, that? Think make, I think you can make a very legitimate argument there. But don't you see that, though? I, I yes, I totally see it. I've I've said all along they have top to bottom problems on defense. No, the defense no, side you, of the organization you, is not good enough in any way. What more? And do you my want last point. I want you to quit saying we don't have players over there because we got players. We don't have coaches. That's you what have, I want you, you to have, stop saying. You have play, You have good players. You don't have great players. Even Denzel. Man, I don't even. I don't Denzel's even, I don't NFL even know that. stock is dropping weekly. Just so you know. I, and, and watch this. And watch this. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna call you next year. And I'm gonna remind you of this. And I'm gonna call you the year after. And I'm gonna keep reminding you of this. Denzel Perryman is gonna start in the NFL day one and have a ten year career. You mark my words on it. You watch and see what I tell and that, you. And you that's watch. very po- that's very possible. But they don't it's like what happen. we don't. Ha- they don't like what they're seeing this go- year. Because he's disappeared when the competition has been at its best. And the reason he's disappearing is because of the, the same thing the old Canes tried to tell Golden in that meeting. They're not covering up the center. They're letting the center take a straight run at Denzel, and Denzel's not that kind of linebacker that can take on, that can take on linemen because he's not big. He's not long enough, I should say. I agree that's with why you. Denzel's be, That's why Denzel's been covered up. I keep saying this scheme is, retard, is ridiculous, man. I'm going to say this last point to you. I, to, I, called you I called you a while back about – about Storm Johnson, I can I can speak. I wouldn't tell you his name back then because he was he was still in college. But now I will speak on him because he's in he's in Jacksonville. And and when Storm was at Miami, he he, he transferred when Golden came in. I don't know if you remember. Me and Storm were very very close. Remain close to this day. Yeah, because he was failing drug tests and had drug paraphernalia in the dorm. That's that's not that's not the point I'm about to make though. The point I'm about to make is this right is what I'm telling you about Golden right. I asked Storm about Golden, I asked Centrale about Golden, I asked a couple other dudes about Golden that were down. And they told me the, the first meeting that Golden called, he when he first got hired at Miami, he called a meeting. In the first meeting that he called with the players, the first they told me verbatim, the first words that came out of his mouth is that, hey, I'm not doing this thing the Miami way anymore. I'm going to do it my way. All of that Miami stuff is out the window. It's going to be some new changes around here. He said that's the – they told me that was the first thing that Golden said in his first meeting. Now, this is why I bring that point up to you. 
and I want people to understand why Golden will never be the coach of Miami. Golden does not understand that there's a DNA that's already here. There's a DNA that's already at Alabama. There's a DNA that's already at Oregon. Alabama will never win a national championship running a spread, running a spread offense. Oregon will never win a national championship running a power offense because their DNA has been long laid before, before, before whatever coach comes after it. Now, what that means is, Golden, you have to. Uh, we need a coach that's going to come in here, understand what made Miami great, understand why Miami was great, and and adhere to that. He need. I don't. He does. He doesn't need to clone himself after Jimmy or Howard or Butch. But what he has to understand is the tracks that those guys laid. Those are the tracks that he has to follow in and maybe tweak it here a little bit, tweak it there, put his little spin on it. But he came in here trying to revamp the whole culture, the whole philosophy, the whole everything. And so he's fighting against two enemies every Saturday. He's fighting against him. He's fighting against the University of Miami, the DNA that was already laid here, and he's, and he's fighting against the team that he's playing against. And that's why I'm telling y'all, Golden, he, smart dude. But, see, sometimes people are so – smart people are very egotistical. They're very self-centered. They, they believe in themselves because they are smart, and that's what his problem is. And that's why he ain't going to never, ever, 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 ever win at the University of Miami at the level that we want him to win. Not because he's dumb, not because of this, that, and the other, but because he, does, he's, he, hasn't, he, hasn't, he doesn't understand the fact that, like I said, Miami has a DNA. That DNA was built over 30-plus years, and him and nobody else is going to change it. The coach that's going to win here is the coach that comes here and embraces our past, embraces what Miami is, embraces that Miami is attack, 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 embraces that Miami is on the edge, embraces that Miami is what Miami was built on. He came in day one and said he don't want that, he ain't going by that, he going to change all that. And that's what he's been doing, and he has changed it. But he's changed it to a detriment of the program, and that's why the program is suffering. That's why we see things that are just odd and weird to us. That's why you got guys like, uh, Joaquin Gonzalez and Brett Romberg and, and, and Buchanan and, and some of the old-timers from 83 discussed it because they see it from a philosophical standpoint that it's just not right, and it ain't going to be right. And I'm surprised you've been around as long as you have. You can't see that because I've never heard you say it like that, and I think you should. I'll hang up. Next caller, please comment on what I said. Tell me if I'm wrong. Saying what uh, <laughs> talking about here. All right, man. Hey, thanks for the call. That was awesome. Keep <laughs> we'll me on, Gary, so I can listen. Keep me on so I can right. listen. You got it, man. Hey, we'll talk to you maybe next week. All right, 646-595-2048. That was a fun little debate for a few minutes there. I still say that Jay Keeps gave the football team the better chance to win at Louisville. I was not in any way suggesting that he's a better quarterback prospect than Kaya. My feeling was on that night, in that situation, with what they were going to need to do to win, that Jake Heaps had a better chance of giving them that. And then they had the FAMU and the Archie State games uh, to work in Brad Kaya and, and see who the better man was. And, you know, obviously um, that would have ended up being Brad Kaya. That's all. Innocent opinion. You know, I feel I ended up being right on that. Um, you know, I really was honestly was not real surprised. It, 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 I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there was – a lot of genius behind that opinion. Uh, the chances of winning that night with a true freshman quarterback with the game plan as restricted as it would need to be to protect him against that defense and that environment um, was not a, a recipe going to win that game. All right, let's go out now to the 202 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, let's try the... Um, 
the 904. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Doing good. Who's this? It's Stefan. Hey, what's up, Stefan? What can we do for you tonight? Yeah, I just want to know what's what's going on with um Ray Lewis, son. I don't I don't never see him on the field. He, what's going he's on just, with him? He, he's he's just not good enough. I mean, he, he's yeah. you know he's a he's the nicest kid in the world. Um, you know, he's here. You know, he probably wasn't really good enough to come to Miami. Um, but you know, obviously with his dad being Ray Lewis and growing up wanting to be a Miami Hurricane or whatever, um, you know, you're not going to say no to Ray Lewis. <laughs> You know, if you you know right. if his son wants to come here, you're gonna you're gonna give him the ship and let him be part of the team. He's just not good enough right now, you know. And I don't know if he'll ever be good enough. Okay, another thing I got, I know we got Virginia Tech coming up. It's no excuse for him to lose this game. He got a bye week. He he got to win this game. Well, he's got I two think. chances. If you're out golden, you're sitting there right now. You have two chances to win back the fan base. You got this game next exactly. Thursday night on national TV at Virginia Tech, and you got the Florida right. State game. Every other game, you right. better win anyway. But these, these are two right. shots to put a good game plan together, go up and play a good game, and, and win your base of support back. Exactly. And the, and the last thing I have, he would get over the hump when he keep the, the elite talent at home. That's been his downfall. I know we had the NCAA situation or whatnot, but when he started keeping that elite talent home, he would get over the hump. And and like and like everybody been talking about all night long about the coaching staff on the defensive side, he do have to make some changes there. But when he make the changes, he gonna have to get good coaches on top of great recruiters. Now. You, do you think any kind of solution, I mean, in any in in way possible, that if Muschamp get fired at Florida, would he be a possibility coming down here? Because he runs the same type of scheme, a defense, that he runs. But if it looks yeah, more I mean, you know? he'll be looking for a job, <laughs> so you never know. Man. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, to me, that's the kind I, of guy you need. You need a veteran guy that's been around for a while. Right, because he's an excellent recruiter. He's been to SEC. He, 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 he knows the business. And and like I said, if he can get someone like him to come in, he would he would get over the hump. But he got to keep he got to get somebody like that, get some good assistant coaches up on a good defensive coordinator that's on the same page. And and then Most and then Al Golden got, reverts to being the CEO of the entire organization, the way Jimmy Johnson right. was, and you can have a winning formula, no question. Right. Right, so uh, just keep me on hold, and uh, and I always go to show. I listen to it every week. I just can't never get on for some reason, but just keep me on hold, and I keep on listening. All right, man, I'm glad you got on this week. Give us a call again next Tuesday. All right, let's go out now to the seven seven zero, where you are now live on Game Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, how you doing, Jared? Doing good. Who's this? This is Stephen in Atlanta. Uh, hey, Steve, you got to do something about your audio, man. We're not hearing you real well. Hold on one second. Hey, I'm going to come back to you in a minute. Steve, I'll come back to you in a minute, okay? I'm going to come right back to you. All right, let's go to the uh, 678. You're now live on Team Sport Live. What's up, Furman? Doing good. Who's this? It's T-Dog, man. Hey, what's up, T-Dog? How you been? Man, I've been chilling, man. I've been chilling. First of all, i got to kiss your ass for a little bit, man. That show that you had, the beginning of the show tonight was amazing, man. The way that you did that, your journalism, 
it was awesome, man. I love how you brought you brought in uh, Blake. I like how you're taking this program, this uh, show to another level. Well, the only thing I would love for you to do, though, so that we don't have to wait for a week, um, and since you're not on the queue after the games anymore, I, will, I was wondering if maybe you could do an hour or so after games, just so that we can give some feedback. Because I, to be honest with you, I. You know- I, I would love to do that. I really would, and it's it's on my radar. I want to try to figure out a way to do it. Um, the problem is when you're on the road, um, and half the games are obviously on the road. It's really hard to to get that done, um, just you know because of logistics and and travel and 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 all the elements that come into play. And and then at home, you know, after the game, we go, we work the the, the we work the interviews, we talk. To players and things like that. So I really would have to have like a dedicated staff in charge of a post game show. And it, it's definitely on my radar at some point and, and I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll probably do it, but I got to get the right team of people together to execute it. And, and, and right now I would I just don't have that in place. I understand that. Maybe, maybe that's something you can do for next year, but I think that would definitely uh, take it to another level, man, because to be honest with you, I actually look forward to, to this show more than the queue now. So I just want to kiss your ass on that. No, now I got I mean, to. Got... You know, the other thing, T Dog, is we have a great thing going on here on Tuesday nights, and I don't want to, I don't want to mess that up. You know, I mean, I, no, I don't I, think you I, would. I, I, don't, I don't think, I think you mess up this your show product at all. Really good, and you guys do a great job with your calls and and everything mm-hmm. else. And I, you know, I'd, I'd hate to mess it up by having a scream fest on Saturday night. You know, well, it doesn't have to be. A, that's why I said maybe an hour. But the reason why I like it is because I feel like the queue now. You don't really get much uh, of the of the comments from the fans anymore. It's just hearing the same guys, you know, going over their rebuttal. But anyway, now I kissed your ass a little bit. Now I got to kick your ass a little bit from you. You kind of, you kind of, you lost some swag today, homie. Two right, things. First, two things. First, going back to the uh, the caller earlier when he was talking about the receivers. I like Carroll. I love what he's doing with the Twitter thing. But I have to agree with him from this standpoint. I don't. And this is going back to our DBs too. I don't see our players attacking the ball. And that's where I think we lack from the receiving coach and also with DB coaching. I never see them attack the ball. Prime example, think about Clive, that interception that he allowed to happen that time. Right, Am I right? He's a tight end. I right, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying from the, from the receiving standpoint in, in general, didn't, uh, Brandon, didn't uh, Carroll coach the tight ends last year? Yeah, but he's not coaching them this year. Right, so, but, so don't you think he should have learned that skill set by now? I mean, he's a senior. Well, he should have already had learned that skill set. I, I, think his effort, his de- I think that was a one-play deal. I don't think you've seen that resurface. And I think his effort on that play was absolutely disgusting. I, I, I still just don't see our receiver snatch the ball. I think a lot of times that they're open because of their God-given ability and their speed. But I never really I see them. It, it, dog, I, don't that, I think you guys I don't are know, Listen, I, I don't see one receiver that I can sit here and say they're not playing well, except except Stacey. Oh no, Cole. I'm not knocking the receiver. No. I'm not knocking the receivers at all. But I just don't think that. I, I, to be honest with you, I can't really say, "Wow, this guy has really changed from the time that he came into the program." From a receiver standpoint, I'm not knocking him, but I'm just saying I, I can't also bless. I can't give him the same kind of credit that I would give a Herb James Cooley. playing playing at a really high level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Malcolm Lewis is back playing as well as he's ever played. Um, but see, these guys were ballers in high school, though. Dorsett, like, is there like a, a significant Dorsett difference from when they were in high school? But, well, Dorsett's off the charts ridiculous. He's going to be drafted in the second round now. Um, I agree with that. But uh, I mean, I, but I mean, then he also had McDonald for a little bit. I mean, he also you see had McDonald for a little bit. All right, but you see how Braxton Barrios is playing as a true freshman? I mean, yeah, I'm he, telling he you. Yeah, he does look good. You guys are reaching trying to trying to knock the receivers. Dude. And, and, and no. I'll – 
with you. T Dog, let me just say one last thing. I'll be honest with you. I was a, I was a little concerned about that move when it was made. I would have mm-hmm. left Brent Carroll with the tight ends. Um, uh-huh. But but man, I mean, he's done a great job. I mean, I can't. There's nothing that. I mean, you're reaching if you're trying to criticize that position. All I'm saying is going back to what, we, what we've been saying all night, if we really want to take the next step, we have to have coaches that you can foresee being coordinators one day, being head coaches one day, and that's all I'm saying. So we'll, we'll move on from that category because, again, this is a knock against him. It's just if we're going to be doing some upgrading this year, we need to we need to look at everything. I, I really want Nick, us to upgrade you, you, everywhere. And dog, right now James Coley's probably the only coach on the staff that you you could say that about. I agree 100%. I, I love that dude. His swag is Miami, everything. You're right. Okay, then number two, this is the second thing I got to kick your ass on. Fermi, you got, you, 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 dude, I was just screaming at the phone, man. We were talking about the whole Kaya in the, um, in the, uh, heaps thing, man. This is for the other dude that, that's on Kane Sport. Dude, stop it. Okay, I understand what, exactly what you're saying. You don't want to put a freshman on that type of, uh, platform. I get that. He had no chance. On. I get that, no but Fermi, do you think with that game plan? You had FAMU and Arkansas State coming up, okay? If you if you had a conviction that Brad Kaya was going to be the better quarterback, you had ample opportunity in those games to start working him in and have him be the guy. That night at Louisville, they had no chance, in my opinion, to win. And, I, and, I, and I'm not being a Monday morning quarterback. I said it before the game. You know that. You did. Not, you did. I said it before but my the thing game. Is this, from they who, had no what chance. What quarterback can succeed with that game plan, bro? Like, who, what quarterback in your right mind can succeed with that game plan? Seriously. Well, be, it was, because it they, was, it was they, a, they they had a they were ba- they felt like they had to baby him. So then, I mean, can you at least agree that it's, it, it's, we just can't even really judge that game? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay. This dude would have definitely been a, a better uh, option for us, but you can't even really judge that game because it was the game plan was it was so far like a 180 from anything we've done the rest of the season. It was so it was like the defense, well, the stuff that we do on defense. It was horrible. Honestly, I think I think what happened is that they they felt like the defense was going to be better than what it's turned out to be, and they they felt like they could they could get out of that game, and it was a total miscalculation. That's all it was. I, I just I just find it hard to believe a dude that got beat out by two freshmen from two different schools was going to make yeah. a better impact. You know what I'm saying? He might, it's not one have, thing this, he, he might not have, man. They may have lost anyway. I'm not saying they would have won. I'm talking about having a chance to win. And starting a true freshman in that environment that night, that situation, I didn't think they had a chance. Okay, one more question, then I'll try to let you get somebody else in. If you think they had rent, the, one of the game plans, and I granted this is a totally different defense, but one of the game plans from after the, after that Louisville game with Kyle, you don't think the result would have been different? If you don't I think do, we would have ran maybe the Duke I game do, plan I or do, even the Nebraska I, game plan, the Nebraska was a, a decent defense. Look at that I agree. game plan. I do. I do think they would have had a chance, but I don't think Brad Kaya could have executed that game plan to the level that he is doing now. I don't know, bro. Because to on me, that, you can't think, count. You can't those, count that. I think the extra that, two, three weeks make, makes them made a massive. I don't difference. know, dog. I don't know, homie. Because what kind of experience did he really gain in the fan? You, yeah, I'm right. I mean, Grant, huh? Oh, that's a lot. That is so much experience. So much. You're talking on, about. Oh, they was playing against a high school team, two, dog. Oh, man, two, three weeks of practice. You're talking about getting in games and getting some experience. It's it's massive, man. Massive. He man. went right. He went. He went from playing against you know a high school team to right back in the in the spotlight in that Nebraska game and looked like a totally different person because that game plan was totally different. And you know it, Farmer. Come on. 
I agree. But I don't know that he could have executed it three weeks earlier. All right, Fermi. Well, I just want to give you a props, man. Your show is, is doing you, is, is taking off, man. Just 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 think about incorporating that thing after the game, though, man. For real. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely on the radar. I, I almost did it this year. It's just I got I got to have the right team of people together to do it. I can't personally do it all the time because I've got right. traveling. I got there's a lot going on on game day. I mean, I could be part of the show and do segments and stuff, but I can't do the whole drive the whole show. I eat. You, you can't get Matt Show to do it. He, he's he's doing other stuff, man. Did, do you see how much work we go, we do on game yeah, day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do your thing, you know, man. Yeah, I mean, we're we're grinding, man. We're we're you know. So I gotta call it. I gotta call the home the home at IU and Varkas up there to run it, man. What's up? <laughs> hey, that might yeah, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, hey, thank you, hey, thank you for being part of the show. Uh, All right, man. Fat cool to fat cool to live. Fat cool to live. Here tonight. Thank you. Yep. All right, let's go out now to the uh, nine seven. Live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary, what's going on? Doing good. Who's this? This Ross, New Jersey, man. Hey, what's up, Ross? What you got? I originally called you back, back, back in the day, and I was complaining about the offensive line. I see they made that correction. But anyway, let me get into what I'm going to say. Yeah, be um, quick for it. I'm going to try to be quick. I'm, I, so many things, I can't get them all out. But um, Well, we got next Tuesday. You can call back next Tuesday. I just want to try to fill Yeah, but I haven't, been, I haven't been getting on. So let me just make some quick, quick points, because I yeah. was also shopping at the phone when you was arguing with the guy about the quarterback. I'm going to say this. If he would have played well in that game, it would have been hard-pressed for them to make a change back to Kaya, to Kaya if he didn't want to get in yet. So I don't even want to think about that. Dude, let me say something. Right. In, in that situation, you're taking one at a time. Yeah, but that wouldn't have went down properly with the fans because we, we had a little mistrust about the, the whole staff anyway. Remember last year, we was upset. So we wanted to see changes. We wanted to see them perform well that night, and at that point, they came out and performed enough to win the game, Al Wilson went back to Kyrie because he's big on seniors anyway. So we, I don't want to argue. I don't want to argue but, about but that. But so what? Uh, Jake, but wait a minute. So what? If Jake Heaps turned out to be good enough to win that game, and you're sitting here now, and you have you, you're instead of being four and three, um, you know, you're five and two, so what? But you know what that means? Okay, let me hit you on this one. I'm trying not to argue with you about it, but okay, if you're going to say that, when they made the decision to start a freshman quarterback and bought a kid and that kid beat him out, that's what's telling me right now that they don't know what they're doing period because we bought in quarterbacks that we couldn't ever play. We, we was in a position where we had to start a, a freshman quarterback. That means we've been doing a horrible job of developing and bringing the right guys in. So right there alone tells me they've been doing a horrible job. I'm trying not to argue with you about that. Let's just agree to bring them. I just want to make some points because I know people out there is, feel the same way like me and this other guy. Gary, just I would agree with you on that one. But okay, let's cool. move on. That's what bit. we're here for. We're here to debate. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about you saying that the, we have okay players. We're, we're bringing in we, – we, we have top recruiting classes, but you're saying we have okay players on defense. But here's the problem. Here's the problem that, you, that you're not paying attention to. They're okay because we're not developing them. We're not making these players. And if you look at tournament – I really think, I don't know your opinion on this, Gary. I think we put so much weight, they put so much weight on the team. So he's, he's, he is, is drafted as it's going down. He is drafted as going down because they're making the kid flow. This was a kid that, would be able, that used to be able to run the sideline to sideline. Now, if he can't get the sideline to sideline anymore, that means that's their problem. They're the one that put that unnecessary weight on him. He actually looks fat out there, Gary. He does look fat. Let's call a let's call a spade a spade here. 
at the end of the day, this is the staff that's doing this to the kids. They're not developing these kids on the defensive end. They're absolutely – Tracy Howard looked like a shell of himself when he was coming out of high school. you saying that, okay, look, we're starting, we're starting to walk on, Gary. We're starting to walk on. How embarrassing is that? We're starting to walk on. I can't argue with anything you're saying. (laughs) That's why I came to make sure I smash what you're talking about. We got okay players. No, we don't have okay players. We have four-star, three-star, four-star, three-star. I'm going to tell you one thing. Let's look at the cornerbacks that we brought in. If they want to make changes, instead of putting putting a walk-on at safety, take Gunter and put him – at safety. Now, let me just make a quick comparison. Not or, or get Jamal Carter ready to play. Yeah, but see, but you, but, but you're telling me I don't have players. You're saying that, that we don't have good enough players, but we're putting a walk on. That's smashing your point. But I'm not here to argue with you because I love your show. But I just want to put you on blast when it comes to that. I don't want you saying that anymore about our players. Because you know what, Gary? There, there's people that's actually listening to this. There's players that's actually listening to the show. It's a great show. So what you're telling them is the guys that they watched in high school, you're telling them now that they, they look up to those guys, but you're telling them they're not good enough. You know why they didn't, they're not good enough? Because they went to Miami. And as, as a Miami fan, I don't like to hear that. And those ballplayers that's playing, that's playing in the high, same high school as them, that's playing behind these lobbies, Grace is not good enough? Well, if you think great, for a year we could take Grace and put him at the safety spot then instead of putting a walk on. Al Golden is getting on my nerves. All this nice guy stuff. Okay, thank you for hugging Lewis when he broke his ankle. Thank you, Golden. We appreciate it. But stop. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Let's stop the nonsense. We are recruiting good ball players. He's just making his, his philosophy and, and his defensive coach's philosophy making our guys look bad. Let's call a spade a spade, man. Let's call it what it is. I am hurt. Watching a walk on, play the safety spot when we have athletic guys that we could be able to develop that should be playing. Let's call a spade a spade. Oh man! All right. Well, Gary, I'm going. Hey, Gary, I, I came I, to smash. I came to smash that comment. I don't like it. A lot of us don't like it. Let's stop saying that we're not getting ball players because that type of comment will hurt our recruiting. We already have enough stuff going on. That that man better be prepared next week. Next week, Thursday night, when we click the TV on, if his game plan is not competitive, he's blowing the cash. And he's been blowing the cash for a minute now. Let's call a spade the spades. I'm going to let you go ahead and have all the time. Keep me on hold. I'm smashing right, it. I'm not letting you say that at all. I'm from all Jersey. Right. I'm a big Kane fan, but we're not having it. I'm, I'm putting all that right. on smash. Keep me on hold. All right. Well, I, I can't think of a better way to end the show. <laughs> that was a hell of a call. Um, I want to thank, obviously, Blake James for spending an hour with us at the beginning. If you didn't hear the entire um, segment, we'll have the podcast up uh, shortly, and you'll be able to listen to it in its entirety. Um, thank all the callers. I know we didn't get to everybody tonight, but there's no game this week. We'll be back next Tuesday night. Please call in then. We'll have three straight hours of your phone calls and uh, should be able to get everybody on then. Um, so thank you, everybody, for um, being part of the show tonight. And um, we will obviously speak to you next week.